A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. <laughs> Folks, welcome back to the Poor Hitter Podcast, episode number 42. I'm your host, Rob DiPietro, on Twitter, at Dead Poor Hitter, Poor Hitter Podcast, at Poor Hitter Pod. Thank you for tuning in once again. Thank you for your continued support and love of the show. The DMs telling me how much the show has provided actionable advice is, we'll never get old. Um, again, thank you for everyone who's been kind enough to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast. It helps tremendously for the show and for myself. And thank you for everyone who's been taking screenshots and sending me over on DM to let me know that you've left a rating and review. I've been sending out stickers, fridge magnets, baseball cards. So, yeah, if you want to leave a rating and review, take that screenshot, send it over to me. And I'll get you out some pull hitter swag. Um, yeah, so tonight I got to sit down with Jeff Erickson and Scott Jensen out of Rotowire. It was an awesome conversation. Um, we got to talk about a range of things, NBC formats, um, the history of Rotowire, how they got started in the business, some player would you rather's. We did a fun little draft at the end of the show, to cap it off. Yeah, all good stuff. Um, highly recommend everyone who's not a part of rotowire.com to sign up. They have a free, a 10-day free pass. Give it out. Um, go take it for a spin. Really cool to have a whole bunch of helpful tools, not only for baseball, for, for football, basketball, whatever you play. They have the ability to upload the rosters onto the site, and you can see the free agents available. Right now I'm doing a first-year play a draft for a dynasty league and the ability to see who's left in the pool according to their rankings is a easy way to at least start your process of who you want to pick it's a slow draft so i'm able to keep reloading keep refreshing seeing who's next available and then watch some video on that young player from there so again rotowire.com really helpful for all your fantasy needs um yeah I've been preaching getting into drafts right now. I'm taking a little bit of a break from drafts, but going to get back into the action probably at the beginning of March. Hope we get some listener league going for some draft champions, cut line, online championship, maybe even an auction. Um, yeah. So uh hope you guys have been getting involved with some drafts and getting that practice in before big season comes along. In some recent player news, um, things are getting hot. Hot stove is cooking. Baseball's coming. Bring, bring breaks around the corner. 
and uh, it's a good time of year. So, with that being said, everyone, um, let's get into the episode. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast. I have two special guests tonight the, from the Rotowire clan, Mr. Jeff Erickson and Scott Jenstad. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks again for having us, Rob. Uh, I, I don't know this guy you got with me here, but I think he's okay. He does all right in the NFBC, so I'll tag along for a little bit with him. Yeah, doing well. Thanks, thanks for having us on, Rob. Rob having us on, Rob. I really appreciate it. It should be fun. Your uh, your podcast's been fun to listen to uh, all off season. I really enjoy it. You have some really good guests, so I'm uh, excited to be one of them. It should be fun. Thank you, guys. Plus, I uh, love your uh, intro. I love the Godfather intro. I'm not Godfather. The uh, the uh, Untouchables intro. Untouchables, right? Yeah, it's one of yeah, my um, yeah favorite. It was one of my favorite scenes, um, especially the end of it when he yeah. g- gives it to the guy with the bat. But um, right. Yeah. <laughs> great scene but i appreciate you guys coming on um i have to thank you guys because for two reasons the first reason is because um last year during you know the beginning of the pandemic um you guys kept trucking through with podcast and i felt like it was really something we all needed that like escapism and for me to be able to go outside and throw on the headphones and you know, hang out with the dogs and so on. Yeah, and just listen to the podcast. It was just like a real great escape from reality. And you guys kept doing it. You guys kept trucking through and you gave us awesome content. And at the same time, when I was trying to decide, you know, like listen to podcasts and really try to see what I liked about the podcast world. Um, what I always struck me about your podcast is that it gives you the feeling like you just was dropped off in your backyard and just hanging out with you guys. And I love that because it's like a whole, um, it's a comforting experience because when you're going to dedicate your time to a podcast, I just feel like aside from the good content for fantasy, that's like truly important. So um, I really want to thank you guys for that, for like really setting a standard in that term. Oh, well, thank well, that. Our pleasure. That, I, yeah, it means a lot, and it's fun. I consider I consider Jeff an actual friend outside of this world too. I don't know if he feels the feelings mutual or not, but <laughs> um, I consider him a friend. It's it's fun to do. Like it's it's funny because we do it Sunday night, and there's like there's weeks where I'm like I can't believe I gotta like prep for this and like spend three hours researching players, and then like the second we start doing it, it's so fun. I'm so happy. It's like the it's such a person I look forward to every week. Uh, you know, during non baseball season, I you know it's a nice break, but I fully miss it by the time we get back, and it's uh it's really fun. I love doing it. I'm glad that, you know, Jeff and Rotowire gave me the opportunity to jump on. It's been, it's been really fun. Now yeah. I feel kind of bad that you're prepping three hours for the pod though, man. I mean, well, some, I, someone's got to be prepared. I granted um, <laughs> I'll just, you know, sh- you know, show the back door here. Uh, you know, I don't prep three hours for any podcast, but uh, you're all, you're also on the radio every day, all week. So you're kind of prepping constantly. That's true. I am overexposed. That is actually a really good point. It's not uh, what I said. I know. <laughs> I do consider Scott a friend as well. Uh, we need to get together more frequently uh, once this dies down. Uh, hopefully we will. But in, 
once he stops working like 70,000 hours a week too, he can actually play golf with me on a Friday every once in a while. It'd be cool. <laughs> I would, I would like to do that once I, I hopefully yeah. I can get away. Hopefully this summer we'll go out there and you can, uh, you can beat me by 10 or 12 strokes like usual. Yeah. Right. As if. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, um, what's your golf scores? Eighties, low eighties. Oh no. When no, I break, no. if I get in the eighties at all, it's, it's a very good day. Lately it's been low, low to mid nineties with an occasional heat, you know, heat stroke there where it's over a hundred every once in a while. But, uh, um, yeah, it's, you know, I can't hit as far as I used to. It's kind of interesting. See, right. trying to adjust to that lifestyle, but, uh, otherwise it's all good. Sweet. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of mid, I, I used to be mid eighties and now I'm, if I play really well, high eighties, but usually low nineties, I just don't get out. It, playing in LA is tough. Jeff is, uh, Jeff's lucky he has Fridays off and kind of get out, but like weekends in LA, it's like a six hour round anywhere. It's just, it's right. tough to get out. It doesn't take up the entire day. So uh, right. I'd like to play more. One of my commitments this year is to kind of get out there and uh, at least hit the range and try and get out and play with Jeff a little bit. But uh, yeah, when I was, when I was playing, I could do uh, somewhere in the mid, mid to high eighties, but probably not anymore at the moment. Nice. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, not anymore. Can... I, I, yeah. <laughs> I can still at the ball farm, but it doesn't go very straight anymore. What about like softball or baseball? You guys get involved with any of that still? Yeah. When they let us, yeah, uh, we've been, yeah. you know, since COVID we haven't, I haven't played. Right. Uh, I, I've been on a team. I, I actually played on a team with Brendan Ryan. I actually still do play with him. Uh, wow. His older brother is Paul runs our team. So uh, we we've been, they've been together for over 25, 30 years on this team. So we're now the annoying old guys that beat the young guys. And that's kind of fun. That's oh yeah. That's gotta be fun. Yeah. High arc yeah. or fast pitch. Yeah, high arc, uh, nice. unlimited arc. Uh, oh, too. Nice. So if you get a really good shooter out there, uh, you can get some you know, 15, 20 foot arc sometimes. And that that's a different experience. It's kind of fun. Right. And is that with the mat behind home plate or is the ump yes. making the call? Yeah, with the uh, mat. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. That's my favorite one for sure. Yeah, it's funny. We actually both play Thursday nights, but we play in completely different cities and different leagues. I play every, I played Thursday nights probably for... God, I'm old now, but like for the same group as your people for like 20, yeah, like tw almost 22, 23 years, something like that. Um, it's, the teams have changed a little bit, but there's like four or five of us that are still on the same team. And it's fun. It's like, it's now, you know, pizza and beer afterwards when we're allowed to and just see friends more than anything. But, uh, you know, I, I now get competitive with myself. I used to get competitive with other people and within the team. And now I'm just like, I get mad at myself and that's it. So I've, uh, I've lost the pure competitive fire, but I still get pretty mad at myself. Right. Yeah. I, I know I get, I get too mad at myself with anything that involves sports. It's just, it's too, it's, it, it's not healthy. I, I would say that. How did you guys play all your life? You play baseball in college or high school, all that stuff. I play, you know, I didn't play for my high school team. I wasn't good enough. Uh, but so I pretty much stopped at like pony league ball, but I was, I actually was a tennis player. Uh, oh, that was my nice. best sport. Uh, but, you know, I, and it, I, I still, you know, I played softball in college, you know, I play, you know, I've, I've always been active trying right. to play various things, whether it's golf, tennis, softball, I, I coach soccer, play soccer a little bit here and there, oh, try wow. to bike, you know, try Do to stay all. active. Yeah. That's awesome. Very good. Yeah. I played, uh, I played in high school all four years and I played like my first semester of college and realized that I probably wasn't going to play for a couple of years and I was probably going to fail out of school if I kept playing. So I decided to, I decided to not play. It was a tough decision, but um, probably the right one. I was never going anywhere after that. It would have been sitting on the bench in a ton of hours and time the first couple of years and <laughs> bus trips and all that. And um, so I decided to, I decided to actually study and, uh, and try and get some grades and, and graduate rather than uh, trying to play baseball. 
There you it, go. It, it stopped his uh, career as a better than Jeff McNeil outfielder, unfortunately. <laughs> that's that's actually still true. If there's anything I could play defense, and if you uh, you go look at records in the Bay Area, you might find that the the league batting average title still is in my uh, my hands. Somewhere. No kidding. Yeah. Really? Wow. That's awesome, it's, dude. It's probably it's probably been top by now, but yes, I did I did league lead batting average and set a record my senior year. Sweet. Wow. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. L- low four hundred. Uh, higher than that. Whoa! It's high right. school. It's high school. It's high school. All right. It doesn't it's, matter. It's funny because my sophomore, my sophomore year, I played basketball, so I went and played basketball, and then I had missed the first like six weeks of baseball. I was just dead. We like first day I was there, we had our first game, and I was eight for fifty my sophomore year. So I set the I might have set the record for the worst batting average, and then by my <laughs> senior year, it was a lot better. But it was it was a bad idea trying to mix in two sports at the same time. So I uh, I quit and just played baseball after that. Got it. Very impressive. Wow. Um, so a big part of my upbringing was playing like games like Stratomatic. My brothers and my father would get, you know, the sets like every three years and every day that we weren't playing real baseball, we were, um, you know, playing, playing um, different leagues. We would draft teams, we would track stats. And I think that's when my kind of like obsession with numbers and baseball and team building started. So I, I wanted to know if you guys played Stratomatic or anything like that when you were, you know, um, that gave you like another um, inspiration to really love baseball. Go ahead, Scott. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I really didn't. I always loved, I always had every book and every stat memorized. I never really played Stratomatic. I was an only child. So about maybe that was part of it. I didn't have anything to play with. And uh, mom was not, was not going to jump on there and play that with me. But uh, <laughs> I would always like keep score of games. And I knew, I mean, I can remember being right. like six or seven and knowing like every score of the NFL for the entire season and stuff like that. It's just, I always loved reading about it. I loved watching it, but uh, I, I would keep score of my games in the backyard and stuff like that. Never actually played Stratomatic, but uh, I know a lot of people do, but I was al- always big into, into the game and always big into the numbers. I didn't, I didn't play Stratomatic as a kid and I wish I did. Uh, I did like when we'd go to my grandparents' house, they had this big thick uh, baseball encyclopedia and I would just like go through that and re- you know make these lists up. I, I collected baseball cards my brother and I did together. Played this one game, I think it's called All-Star Baseball. I'm not sure exactly, but you had these little round discs and you could yes. spin the dial to see yes. what sort of result you'd get. And it was this, all, you know, it's a, and you'd get like this much of a pie was for homers, this for singles, whatever. Yeah. And I just remember wanting to avoid the Roger Metzger card for some reason. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm sure it was similar to Strat in terms of percentages a little bit, but I don't know how, you know, how, how serious I took it uh, statistically. But yeah, I used to, and then I, I, I'd pour through the newspaper every day, looking at the batting average, the Sunday newspaper, looking at all the leaders yeah. and all that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I got, I was obsessed about it, but I never ha- played fantasy or strat as a kid. I play strat now. I'm um, in a really good league with, it's a 30 team mixed league and it's, it's really awesome. Todd Zola's in that league. Uh, Jason Gray used to be in that league before he became a scout. And then he had to kind of give up his team, but you know, Dean Peterson from stats Inc is in there. He's like one of the commissioners. It's a really strong league. Brendan wow. Roberts, uh, I'll just name drop a bunch of people that are in there, but that are better than me uh, at Strat. But it, it's a fun league. Yeah, that's awesome. It's 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 really fun. We would sit there with the cards, and when in even if like if we didn't buy the new pack, we would like if we had to made a card for like a good rookie or something, we would cross cross an old guy's name out and write write the new person in and be like, well, he can't be this bad. He got him, you know. We'll give him a single here and you right. know a home run there. Um, but I just remember that so much um, growing up is I would just 
really became obsessive with with like you said Scott, just keeping track of scores and um just keeping track of leagues we used to play leagues upon leagues and um it's crazy because when i look back at some older cards I never realized that on base percentage was on it. I was, you know, I was young. It was eight, nine when I first played it. And I was just looking at home runs and their speed. You know, I used to love playing with the Cardinals because Ben Coleman and Tommy Hur and Willie McGee, they were all like triple A's and you just roll it every time. Uh, flip, actually, it was a, it was a flip card. It was like these little paper stacks you would flip over and it was like you know oh it's a stolen base now i'm gonna steal third um it's fun um i miss playing that often but uh yeah that's definitely where i got my start in becoming obsessive with like you know numbers and baseball so when did you guys start playing fantasy baseball uh shortly after college i want to say like 90 i say 93 uh, i grad i think it was the year i graduated college so that Maybe that year, maybe 94, first year of law school. I forget which, but, uh, and yeah, it was, it was, you know, cause the strike year was 94, right? So yeah, 94 yeah. is when I played. Yeah. So that was my introduction to fantasy baseball season that ended that we didn't get uh, to finish. That was my introduction to working at baseball this year. I actually worked for the A's that season. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not a, not the perfect year to pick to, uh, to be a summer intern with the A's. No. <laughs> what was your first, uh, fantasy league? I, I actually ran leagues in college. I ran uh, basketball, base, basketball and football leagues, really, because baseball really didn't work because we would go home for the summer and be gone. But we, I ran basketball and football leagues where you, you know, add up the scores in the, in the paper the next day and oh, yeah. football once a week. And I ran mm-hmm. NCAA pools. Um, there may have been some other uh, illegal activity going on with money changing hands that uh, <laughs> might, might also happen. But yeah, I ran leagues in college. So that's like, yeah, like 93, 94. I started playing fantasy. I played in the, the, uh, it was the CDM challenge that now it's the diamond challenge with NFBC. And it used to be sporting news. Um, I played in that the first year I played in that like national was 95. So that was the year after the strike. Cause I remember waiting until they were going to have a season and signing up. So that was my first like national challenge was 95. Wow. Awesome. That's, um, that's going to be an interesting league to try. I want to ask you about that later. Um, sure. Do you guys play have you what's the most obscure league that you played in like maybe with like random rules or you know something that's out of the ordinary that that's going to be definitely jeff question (laughs) i don't know what i i think they're all tangentially ordinary that's the thing i don't play in too many crazy leagues right uh you know i play score sheet i play auto new but it's i think it's still five by five in auto new but it's not the their system that would be a little bit different um I mean, I play a lot of different sports. I've been in a golf league for 20 years that now Scott's in. Uh, oh, I've, interesting. Yeah, it's an auction league. It's tremendous. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, we, we love it. I've been in a hockey league for about 20 years. I, I like, like you, I, I started, like Scott, I ran leagues when I was in law school. You know, there's a reason why I'm not an attorney. Uh, but I ran our <laughs> hoops league. Uh, I, ran, I ran a football league. I ran our tournament pools when I was, you know, my, it's so funny. I, I ran tournament pools, I think in college, but I also would get in my brother's pools back home. He was younger and I got banned from his tournament pools because I won two years in a row, I think. So I, <laughs> I was no longer invited to that, but uh, I'm trying to think of what's the most obscure. I mean, that's an inexcusable ban. I, I, I have a pretty good obscure one, actually. Okay. okay. I played for about, I'm trying to do the math, about 15, probably about 20 years in a dynasty football league where we started offensive linemen actually like not team offensive linemen actually individual offensive linemen so wow um scoring yeah, was win. based scoring was based on yards gained points scored and then you minus sacks 
uh, was the, was the scoring for offensive line. But obviously there's five outs line for every team. So you could have multiple Packers on your offensive line, but you started 22 guys. You started 11 guys on D you started a quarterback in the normal thing on offense, but actually five offensive linemen and your roster was 53 guys. Like in the NFL, you had the NFL salary cap. It was a really fun league. And when I first got out of college and had time, it was, it was a great league kind of fell apart. A couple of guys got arrested and then it kind of fell apart. But um, <laughs> So, and then a couple of people had kids, it just got really busy, but I was like the most fun, like, like having to figure out on Sunday mornings, which offensive linemen were scratched and then which offensive line would start. Cause it was based on the game book, who the five starters were. That's how you got your points. So like if someone got scratched and another guy was starting on the, the Packers or the Patriots, whoever, whoever had the big offense support, it was like a huge scramble to try and get those guys. So it was, it was a, uh, it was a really fun league, wow. but just a little too time consuming. Right. Yeah. That's, that's pretty in depth. Uh, that yeah, I knew every, I knew every offensive line for the top 15 <laughs> offenses for years. Wow. That's wild. I'm glad they haven't like incorporated um, the, the, the um, IDP aspect into baseball, like put outs and like double plays. And <laughs> I, had, I had a friend who played in a put out league and they didn't realize it, but obviously first basemen were utterly dominant. So oh. Jeff actually knows my friend, Sean Wilhite, who known as known as Willie, who's a character, but yeah. uh, he played in a put out league and he gave me the stats. He's like, can you give me a cheat sheet for this? I was like, yeah, just draft 11 first basemen. And he won the league by like, he won the league by like 7,000 points. It was the most absurd thing ever. And they changed it. I think they either kicked him out or changed the rules after that. Yeah. You got to know the rules, right? You, yeah. First thing to do in any league, know your league rules and then you take it and then you take advantage of it. Wow. That's interesting. That's some pretty obscure leagues right there. Um, so how did you, how about got, you? Oh, me. Um, let's see. I, I, so I never really, I started playing head to head at my first venture into fantasy baseball, um, probably like 1999, 2000. Um, it was a fan, uh, auction keeper league. Um, but then when about six years ago, I got into a league with a couple of guys at work and it, it was an older league. It was a league that started in the early nineties. Um, and being in New York, they didn't play with West coast teams. So, because they couldn't find the box scores, you know, and <laughs> all that stuff. And even though now it was 2012, 2013 and everything's on the internet, they still played those rules. So, um, it, it, it's odd. It has no NL West. It has no AL West. Um, and it, it's just different when Mike Trout's never in the league and Clayton Kershaw's yeah. never in the league. Um, and I was never um, exposed to an auction that was like this. So I got to the draft and me and my brother ended up the league. We sit down and, and when the first guy got called out and my brother shouted six. And they'll go, wait, what are you doing? It's not your turn. And we're like, what do you mean it's not our turn? Like, it goes around the table. And I was like, what do you mean it goes around the table? It's like, yeah, you know, this guy starts on the nomination and then we go clockwise and you either bid or you don't bid. And if you don't bid, you can't ever get back in on the bid. And Jeez. I was like, wow, so this is get, this is going to take about 12 hours. And the guy goes, yeah, last year it took about 11. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so the strange thing though is that you know you you just if you were i mean if the guy was anywhere near good you would just stay in but um it, it gets confusing after a while it goes around the table and if enough people aren't paying attention it's like wait a minute didn't you stay out or aren't you back in uh it was it's it's really wild it's but you know what had alcohol um, and i can imagine that could be really wild oh i know it's like and, a and, weird mix of poker and an auction that's a strange setup 
It just drains yeah. head up. And, you know, it would start at 8 a.m. in the Bronx and we would have coffee, bagels, and then we'd order pizza for lunch. Uh, oh, it was a full day affair. But the first year I was like, this is miserable. But the next year I took advantage of it. I was like, I know what, when a guy is out that I don't want, I'll just really just laser focused on resetting, you know, my um, strategy. Um, so I actually just took a, like, I found it calming in that way, but it's still maddening that it took so long. And um, guys would just be reading their magazines, you know, like while they were like on the, you know, they were like, um, hold on a second. And then they'd flip through and they'd be like, all right, I'll go 12. And I'm like, oh. what's going on around here? <laughs> I did one auction online um, and we had a rule that you could have one pause in the middle of an auction. Everyone got one pause. I think it was one, maybe even two. Awful rule. Terrible. Oh my rule. God. And yeah, it, it, it's, at least it was your, a How long was your time out, how long was your time auction, out for? How long was the pause for? Like you got a minute or whatever. I don't, I don't remember how long it was, but <laughs> you know, you got to think about it, look things up and it's just like, no. No, yeah. no, yeah, don't no, do that. Exactly. That's not an auction. No, that's not an auction at all. Yeah, I know. Very, very random league. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so how did you guys get into the um, fantasy baseball content creating world? What led you to this wonderful career? Jeff, you go first because without without you, there's no me. So you start. All right. Uh, Peter Shanky, the Rotowire president, had the idea. Uh, he worked for the Wall Street Journal at the time. Uh, this is 96, he approaches me. I'm, I, I had just graduated law school uh, in, this, in that summer. Uh, he goes, hey, you always do well in our leagues. Every, but, you know, I, I've got this great idea. I think you'd be a good content guy for it. Um, you know, we're, he was seeing the potential of the internet, basically. Like, all right. these papers are coming online right now. Uh, we, you know how we always wait a day or two to find out why our player didn't play if it's not on SportsCenter? Because, you know, the stars, you're going to find out pretty quickly, but you may not get details. Uh, you know, every newspaper is online. You don't have to wait for the USA Today notes column. Um, we're going to build a site that has like side by side the player news and the analysis. And we'll get the news and we'll turn it on a fantasy angle and we'll get it to people right away on the internet. And people are getting their dial in you know, AOL discs or, you know, for dial up <laughs> internet or whatever graduating beyond CompuServe. It was just the right idea at the right time. So he, he was the business guy, but he did content. Still does. Uh, both of those. Uh, Herb Ilk is our CTO. He built the website. He want, He's another guy. We all went to school together, played in the same league together. And I, I generated a lot of the content ideas. We had a long drive to go see Northwestern play Tennessee in the Outback Bowl. Drove from Chicago down to Orlando and back. Uh, and it was Peyton Manning's last game as a, a collegian. We saw that it was a terrible game for us, but uh, that's okay. That was kind of our role in history at the time, but hashing out the idea and thinking about that, I was studying for the bar exam uh, while we were launching the site. I passed wow. the bar. I never practiced. I, I, I got sworn in. I like to joke that I'm a recovering attorney, but I never really was a full-time attorney. I, but I, I could have been, I could have been a contender, but I, I escaped that reality and I got lucky. That's awesome. That's a great story, man. I, yeah. That, yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's, and like you said, you, you saw, you saw the, um, the boom of the internet and it was the perfect transition into that. That's, that's great. Yep. And then I owe a huge debt of gratitude, like John Hunt, other people in the industry, because they liked our product. They liked our site. John Hunt was, you know, ran, wrote the baseball inside the fantasy baseball conference baseball weekly. 
back when print was still a huge thing. It was, he was the man. He started labor and he was the guy that you'd read his column every week. It was the best column for fantasy sports in, in the industry by far. Uh, and he gave us like a screenshot of our site two or three times. Every time he mentioned us, our traffic would just spike. When he did the screenshot, it quadrupled, you know, it gave us that traction. Uh, and without that, who knows how, how, you know, we maybe would have made it, but he sped up. He really accelerated our growth. Oh, a real, uh, you know, a lot of debt, uh, gratitude to him. He's no longer in the industry, unfortunately, but he, he just, he decided he didn't want to do that anymore. Uh, so Steve Gardner took over and Steve does a great job, obviously, and is an awesome human being. Uh, but it's one of the things about this industry is we keep, you know, I, I think it's a very friendly competitive industry and, you know, it's not like Coke and Pepsi there. We kind of build each other up. And for the longest time, we're like, Oh, ESPN mentioned fantasy. Oh, wow. How cool is that? Maybe they'd have, there was the pay-per-view labor draft special one year. I think that was the year we started in 97. The year Kenny Lofton got traded in the middle of the draft from the Indians to the, to the Braves. And while they're doing like the AL auction, they're like, okay, how do we handle this? That's awesome. Uh, some crazy stuff there, but uh, it's just it's the the old the old days of the industry is just remarkable. And then see where it's come to now. Before Greg and Tom even had their contest, they they did Krause magazines, and they did a lot of magazine stuff. That was how they're hooked in the industry. Greg was always nice, even even back then. That's awesome. That that's that's great history right there. I feel like I yeah. just learned so much about. <laughs> the fantasy world. That's really cool. Yeah. And it's just a smidgen. I mean, there's so many stories I could tell. Right. Right. That's great. Yeah. I feel like it's such a great community. Like that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's so hard. Like we, we openly talk about players that we like and then we compete against each other and, 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 yep. you know, just constantly and, you know, motivating each other to get better and, um, and, you know, I'm pushing each other. So it's really awesome. It's the best. Yeah, it is. It really is. And Scott, how did you get involved? Yeah, I mean, I consider myself more of a, a player than actually involved. I play a lot of games, but I'm, I'm I owe mine really the little involvement I do have. Obviously, I have a regular job, and I do this as kind of a side fun hobby, but I do enjoy it. But I really owe it to Jeff. We played in the NFBC main event. Uh, we played in two. We randomly got in two leagues together, back to back years. Um, and I, one year, I was sitting. I think I was sitting one seat over from you. And we just started chatting. We realized we live about uh, 12 minutes away from each other. And um, I, I think I had a pretty good year that year. And Jeff reached out to me in the offseason, asked me if I wanted to write a couple things. I did some CDM Diamond Challenge. I actually wrote about that. And mm-hmm. then um, wrote a couple other things. And I wrote a couple of things for the magazine here and there. And I was always always playing. Then Jeff reached out, I think probably like six, seven years ago. I don't remember how long we've been doing the podcast now. But uh, I did it. Uh, I think someone someone dropped out or something. You asked me to fill in. And it's kind of been, uh, it's kind of been really fun since. I've been, I think Jeff and I have, had a good chemistry and been had fun with it. And I've, I just enjoyed my, my little part of the industry. I don't really consider myself fully in, but um, it's been a lot of fun. And that's, uh, you know, I really owe it to Jeff. I don't mean to be kissing Jeff's ass or anything, but I really, okay. owe it to, I, I really owe it to him. The only reason I'm in this world new with the content and, and podcast at all is because uh, Jeff gave me a shot uh, a, a bunch of years ago. Yeah. My first main, uh, he was like two to the left of me. Uh, and at the first break, he comes and tells me, you know, you got John Lackey, you know, he got hurt today. And, you know, I'm the guy that writes for, you know, Rotowire and started Rotowire and all that. And he knew it before I did and let me know. So that was kind of cool. Uh, I, I think, you know, and remember like wireless internet was not always such a great thing. Twitter was not such a big thing. This was probably, it's gotta be at least 10 years ago, probably longer than oh, that. More than that. It was, it's, uh, I can 15. tell you it's 2007. Wow. Okay. There you go. The first year I played. No, I think it was 2008. It was the second year I played in the main event. It was 2008. Yeah. And I'm new to NFBC entirely. 
Uh, I hadn't played any, any of their contests and I'm playing here for the first time and I'm the newbie who doesn't have enough pitching and all that. Uh, and you know, my ACE gets broken in spring training. That was kind of cool. So it, it's not the worst story I've had of an ACE breaking on me in a draft, but the very first year I did labor in person down in Florida, Peter and I are, you know, down going down there. We did both NL and AL. We did the AL the second day. Decided to do the Sweeney plan, load up on, and it's, it's an auction league and load up on starters. Kevin Apier, he's a rock. He never gets hurt. He's perfect for this plan. Day after we go to spring training game, the Royals, he's on the Royals at that time. They're playing the Astros in Kissimmee. Uh, you know, they call themselves the Osceola County Astros instead of the Kissimmee, but yeah, you can figure that part out. Uh, total, total terrible ballpark, metal bleachers. Anyhow, we're sitting down the first baseline. You see him kind of like shaking his arm a little bit. His family's sitting two rows behind him. He goes, I think something's wrong with Kevin. Turns out that was the year he got Tommy John. And we saw our draft plan just blow up in flames in front of us in spring training the day after our first ever uh, expert league you know, weekend. Oh. And so like uh, some experts. My, uh, my set, my third year main event, the second time I was with Jeff, um, I finished 11th overall in the main event and I took Brandon Webb in the third round. And he pitched four innings. Ooh, wow. And I still think about it, it was, it was him or uh, Roy Halliday. And I, it was like 50, 50. They're all kind of close. Halliday I think won the Cy Young Webb pitched four innings and I finished 11th. I would have won the overall if I'd gone anywhere else at that spot. So that one, uh, yeah. In terms of pitches getting hurt early, that one, uh, that one still stings. You don't think about that all the time, do you? Yeah. Freaking Brandon Webb. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of pitching, how how are you guys going forth with handling like inning pitch projections and handling the this wild new landscape of pitching being pushed up to the very forefront? I just saw Matt Modica's tweet last night from his one thousand dollar draft champions, and you had Austin Nola going at fifteen. It was Degrom, Cole, one two, Bieber at six, and Bauer, Giolito, Darvish, Nola, all in the first round. How are wow. you guys prepared for that this year? Um, what do you think about that in general? It's funny because Jeff and I talked about it last night on the podcast that we were looking at like the pitchers in the ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth round, and my my thought initially was like, you know, I'm going to zig when everybody's zags. I'm going to grab a ton of insane offense and then kind of back up with, with some, a bunch of good pitchers, but not great. But they're not there. Like it's you look at there, the, right? the ninth, 10th, 11th round. It's like we're Jeff and I were talking. I forget who we're talking about exactly. There was a pitcher in there. I'm like, I'll just take someone else. And we're looking around. It was, it was Frankie Montas. And it was, uh, I think it was uh, Marco right. Gonzalez. And I was like, oh, there's just nobody else in there. I remember that year I took Webb. I didn't take another pitcher until the 10th round. And I took like five in a row that I really liked. And it's just not the case anymore. A, they're not there. I don't know how the ball is going to be. We're talking about a dead end ball. I mean, maybe that'll help a little bit, but I don't know. I think you, you have to kind of suck it up and take at least one or two of those pitchers in the first five rounds. Otherwise you just can get buried in ratios. I think right. the guys you took in the nine, 10th and 11th are now going seven, eight, nine. And yep. you just, you have to get your guys and everybody's getting their guys. So I, I think it used to be that, especially the, analyst community of fan in the fantasy baseball community. Uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, people that wrote for sites would be, Oh yeah, I can find pitchers better than other people. That's my advantage. So I'm going to load up on hitters and then you come to the NFBC and they're like, really right. two pitchers in the first three rounds. No way. I can't do that. And then you find yourself like, Oh, Oh, I see now. I see why they're doing that. Um, and you know, I felt in many ways, the NFBC was ahead of the curve as far as that goes, at least the draft community as a whole. Now I, I think, that's changed. I think that stereotype isn't necessarily true. There are still some people that say never take a picture in the first three rounds. It's harder to print. You don't see as many of them as you used to. Right. I, 
I was um, pretty successful last year, not taking one until the fifth and seventh round and Bauer and Lynn, but I don't like, I don't see that in the fifth and seventh round this year. And most of my mm-hmm. drafts have just ended up being pocket aces or th- um, three pitchers in the first four rounds. And the battle of the podcast that uh, Zach Roto puts together, I did um, Giolito Bauer. And then I took Lynn in the fourth round. Um, and everyone was just like, are you going to say pitches for us? But um, yeah. And it's only because I don't, I, I looked, I like to forecast my draft and I use um, Ron Chandler Bab system and Every time I did like a mock draft against myself, I just didn't like anything. I was piecing forth um, in that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 range. And um, every time I picked a bunch of teams that went offense, I just didn't like the way it laid out. So um, I just tend, I've been tending to go pitching and um, it's not the way I'm accustomed to drafting, but I think it's important that I feel like a lot of people are spending so much time um, doing the forced zag and they're spending so much research trying to go, okay, well, I'm going to do the bats and go late in pitching that they're just not really open up to the idea of that. It might not be the way to do it, but um, I mean, it just makes it easier for me to draft. I think that way. <laughs> and th- I mean, there'll be, there'll be some pitchers in the 10th, 11th, 12th round that end up really, really good, but like, right. good luck, good luck hitting on all of them. If you're going to do it that way, it's just, it gets tough and you're going to, I mean, you're going to run into this huge blowups in those ranges. They're just, they're just not there. Like they used to be. Right. Absolutely. Um, what about um, innings pitched projections? I know this has been like a pretty heavy topic. We don't know how, you know, to handle, you know, what the pitches may be expected to do this year. Um, part of me thinks like, well, you know, it's not like in the history of pitching guys have never gone from 60 to 180 in general. So why can't we expect them to do now? Um, but what's your guys thoughts on that? Well, you do, you do projections, Jeff. So go ahead. You know, I'm definitely, I've got fewer guys getting to 200 innings, fewer guys getting to 180. There'll be some though. I think, right. I, I think, some of the brand guys will get there. I think Bauer gets there. I think DeGrom gets there. I think Cole gets pretty close because they're, you know, they're already kind of a little bit more stretched out anyhow to begin with. Uh, it's the younger pitchers that are definitely going to be a problem. We had a ton of pitcher injuries last year too. And that's a, one of the things that's tying into all this is I think we'll probably have more injuries this year too, as a result of all that. So, Good but point. I think you can maybe get a little too clever by half and try, if you like say, oh, I'm going to just chop everybody by 10% or 20%. I think you kind of have to look at, at each individual pitcher. Now I, there's the, you know, there, there's bias issues inherent with that, but I might go a little, I, I think I might skew a little heavier towards veterans this year as a result of this. Cause I think they're maybe a little less likely to be having the governor switch force on them. And I think they are less likely to get hurt too. Right. Good point. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a big issue on um, Jeff's point about the younger pitchers for sure. I think also it's a very, a team by team dependent thing. I think you've really mm-hmm. got to like, re- I think the spring notes are going to be really important on that. If t- as teams yeah. go six man, you know, Milwaukee said, we're not going to have anybody go more than a hundred where they were going, but at least we know, like, I think if Woodruff say, for example, throws 165 or whatever, I think that's great. I think that, I think 165 will be like what, what 90 was like, you have to fill in, but if you get a guy that goes 165, 170, it's going to be really solid. There's going to be a lot of guys that go 120, 130. A lot of the young guys, they're going to skip starts. Um, there's just a lot. Of, and it's going to be really team dependent. I think reading the news each week on how teams are handling stuff, who's getting skipped, who's pulling guys early. I think that uh, I think spring news is going to be really important with trying to figure out who's going to who's going to throw that 180. And those guys that do are going to be even more valuable than they normally are. 
Yeah, I totally agree. That's why like I've been one guy that I keep drafting in in the three hundred, the guy like Mike Miner, just he's boring and he's not really very skilled, but I just feel like that I feel like he's gonna throw 170 innings and you know, at that point in the draft it's just so valuable. Um and you may not see a lot of guys. I think I saw like a maybe 23, 24 guys projected to go over 170, um, 165, 170. So, um, and like you said, there's going to be a lot of guys in that 120, 130 range, good pitchers, maybe like a couple of the Dodger guys who might give you that effective innings, you know, per inning basis. But, you know, how does it incorporate into your team? You know, are you going to be losing uh, K's, you know, that way with going that route? Um, and I, that involves picking those guys in that 10, 10 range, you know, the Dodger guys, especially, you know, I think that a lot of guys, uh, that's how they zagged, which um, earlier in drafts, they were just loading up with those guys. But I don't know, it's, it's a very risky attempt to. How do you, you know, how do you guys feel about the guys who sat out last year, like Price and Stroman? How do you, do you think that uh, that's like a rest thing where they can come back to a bunch of innings? Are you really concerned about those guys? Where do you guys fall on those two guys? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not I mean, concerned. I don't, I'm not too concerned. Um, I mean, I think there's a level of, of hesitation, but um, I think guys like Price and Stroman, they're, they, they're, I think they're veteran enough pitchers that I think they kept themselves loose and kept themselves ready. And um, I think at this point of the career, they're not like that, those big, heavy 97 type guys where I think that their pitch, their pitch effectiveness can, can, can help them get back into, I, I think they're pretty safe actually. Um, I like, I like where they're going to in drafts. I think, I think the market is playing that into effect and um, like price is like, like 190 right now. I think it's a good spot for a guy who's always, uh, you know, pitched a good, a good amount of innings. Yeah. yeah price, there's some concern because of now they have seven starters. Sorry, Scott. Well, yeah, no, you're good. That's true. But I mean, Stroman, you know, he's every day he's on Twitter, how hyped he is for this season. I don't know. It's kind of, it's like, it's almost selling us a little bit. And I, yeah. I usually have the guy that never gets him because it seems like he never strikes out enough guys, but I'm, I might be buying what he's selling. I don't know. Right. I think he'll be on a good team at least. Right. Yeah. I'm buying Stroman at that price, but I mean, 18 months, not pitching to major league hitters. I, I think matters. I think the first, even those guys, like the first month of the season, they're going to have to ease them in a little bit. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, four and five inning starts for price, at least the first month as they really ramp him up and the Dodgers just so deep that they can like, you can throw him four innings for the first month and throw may or Gonsolin right after him. They just don't lose much. Right. right. They don't. Yeah. That's, oh man, that's, it's, it's silly what they have available um, yeah, at their disposal. It really is. It's, it's, it's nonsense. I mean, and I had a lot of like late, I had a lot of their bullpen share, like in my late, later on picks in my DCs this year, uh, guys like Victor Gonzalez and um, at like 49 and, and 50, just hoping for some good, effective middle, middle leaf innings. And then just like, well, now all these starters are going to come into the bullpen right. and take over that. So it's, it's been such a, a domino effect. Um, I didn't expect Bauer to go there at all, actually. So that yeah. threw me for a loop. Yeah, I had Dustin May in two DCs already, and yeah, that's I'm not not thrilled with that. I I think he's ahead of Gonsolin at least, mm -hmm. but and I think he'll still get me good ratios. But I was thinking this would be the breakout where you start to see the stuff translate into strikeouts, and you know it might even more because he can go all out. But it's just you know when can you start him? When can you trust using him? Is, when is he going to get enough innings to make it worth your while? Um, and you're trying to time the market, and that's always you know frustrating as I'll get up. 
I think that's the key with those guys is how do you, on Monday morning, how do you put Dustin May in not knowing what the heck he's going to do? He could pitch seven innings, he could pitch two innings. It's just really hard to, and and we talked about that a lot lot last year with Otani. Like, it's just, as you think about picking guys, you've got to think of how you're going to utilize them. And people are always like, oh, I'm going to get these middle relievers with grid ratios and all that. And then by June, you're like, oh, I'm never throwing the guy. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, if you don't get saves or wins from someone, they've got to be really, really damn good for you to to be able to use them at least week over week. I mean, as a ninth pitcher that you say you have, you don't start like your starters that week, fine. But committing to a guy that's not getting wins or saves, you really have to get those ratios and and strikeouts. It's hard to count on because you just don't know how much they're going to pitch each week. Yeah, I think I think it's such a headache, especially like in like a main event league where I just don't want to deal with that. You know, I just don't want to deal with having to carry them on your team and hoping for, you know, them to just get a start here and there and just feel like there's other ways to, you know, better utilize the roster spot than that. Um, yeah, so. I wanted to ask you guys some NFBC stuff. Um, what is your favorite format on the site? I know a lot of people love the main event, uh, draft champions, online championship. What What's your favorite play here? Yeah, I like the 12. Yeah, I like the 12 in the online championship. Mm-hmm. I think my track record's better there. So that's kind of one of the reasons I guess like, I like that I have a little bit more to bid on on the waiver wire. It allows me a little bit more freedom at the draft table, especially like with, with closers, for instance, right. uh, where I don't have to get like really good closers in the, like you do in the main, or I feel like I feel more pressure in the main to do so. I should say that uh, where you can, you can fab closers it's where it's a much harder to do in the 15. Right. Well, why, so why have you think you've had a better track record in the 12, just like the extra player pool, the extra guys in the player pool that maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe also because, you know, mo- more often than not, my mains have been live and in Vegas. And I think that's a tough room. I right. think it's a really tough room. And I don't, I'm not trying to duck competition, but at the same time, hey, it's nice to, you know, sometimes with the onlines where maybe the competition level isn't as hard. It depends mm-hmm. on what you draw. I mean, you can still draw a lot of big names in your, your 12 still too online. Uh, and as you know, I can get my ass kicked in the main uh, online drafts just as easily as I can in a main too. But uh I've only cashed once in the main, I think. So, I mean, it, that's that's the thing is I'm my track record's not that great there. I love the idea, I love the concept, I love the format. I'm just not great at it. Yeah, I feel like it's so hard to. Um, I I suffer from the twelve and the fifteen and the fabs. Like I, um, I go to the twelve and I'm like, wow, all these guys are available. I just I don't know. It's weird how there there are more guys available, but I struggle with who you know which which is the better pickup. You know, right. Um, I'm a big time. I'm, I'm all about the main event. It's my favorite contest in any sport in any fantasy. I just, I love it. I think, I mean, Jeff mentioned the drafting live is a tough room. I actually think drafting live is a lot harder than drafting online. I think there's the, it, weirdly, there is that pressure of people looking at you and saying a name out loud. It's, it's very strange, but it actually exists. You would think that that it sounds so silly, but it actually does. You want a, you want people to like, like your pick and B, you don't yep. want to do something stupid or say something like pick some boring player that nobody likes. Whereas online, you don't give a crap. You're just sitting there in the chat room. I don't even talk in the chat room, but I just think it's a lot, I think it's a lot harder it, when you do it online, you have all your stuff in front of you. It's easy to like focus and concentrate in the live draft. There's people eating behind you. There's people walking around. There's people coming up and talking to you constantly. You have someone like, no joke. You have someone like Jeff who everybody knows, like someone's coming up and talking to him all day long during the draft. It's just, it's weird. And he's, he's just well-known. He's very well-known in the industry, been there forever. It's really hard to draft live. And it's, I think people underestimate the fact that it's, it's a lot tougher to sit there and do that. You actually get weirdly butterflies and nervous those first few rounds. You don't want to mess up and you want to impress people. And I think that affects how you draft. Yeah, you don't want to make that. Oh, 
You can't, exactly. I, I want them to like my pick. I don't want to do. be the rogue drafter. You know, <laughs> that's that's interesting. So I like how you phrase it too. You want everyone to like your pick. So is that like almost you want to just make what like the market think is the right pick, or does that have something to do with like going out and getting your guy type of like view on it, or is it just like I think not- it could be both. I think it could be both. I think yeah. I, I, I mean I'm I'm past that now. I don't really care anymore. But like when I first started playing, like you want to make a pick that impresses people or is like a value pick or whatever it may be. Um, mm. I don't really care about it now. I just kind of build my team. But it's uh, you have to get used to it. And those people that draft the first couple of years. I mean, it, it's hard to go into a live draft and do really well your first time. You don't you don't really uh, you don't really know the feeling until you sit there and do it. Yeah. And meanwhile, I, I don't have that same problem in the NFFC. Uh, I do. I've done just as well in live as I've done online. I think there's uh, like there's like two drafts going on in football though. Like they split the rooms. Like that baseball room with like six or seven tables. It's just it feels like yeah. it's got it set up. I agree. I think that is actually a big part of it, and and especially sometimes in terms of spoilers. I mean, it's not like anybody in the room doesn't know your player, but they may jump a player. Like you get to the like pick 100, and they may have that person listed as 150, and they hear the room starting to take that guy like. Maybe I should th- think of that. I, I, I guarantee you that's happened before. Oh, like, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I need to get this guy or this guy's interesting. And you're like two picks away. Like, God. You yeah, know, you don't just... realize that. You don't realize that draft is like three rounds ahead of you anyway. But it just, right, right. You, you hear someone, you hear someone yell out a player that's a sleeper and you're like, oh, and now everybody in the room's thinking about that player. Everybody's looking to see where they are in their draft. And it's a, it's a real thing. There's a lot that goes on during, during that draft. And people break at different times. People are eating at different times. And you know, yeah. I, I think it's real with someone like Jeff that people come up to you and talk to you the whole day. Um, it's tough. It's really, I really like fun, that, though. though. Yeah. No, I do, I, too. I, I love it. I mean, those last tech 10 rounds, I'm usually talking to people. and uh, But you, you got to – I mean, it's an expensive league. You want to pay attention, too. But, right. That's uh, that, true. That weekend is so fun. It's just uh, – I, I'm so bummed we're going to miss it a second time. I can't believe we're missing two back-to-back. Yeah. But Hearing like Brady Tinker's voice year. booming across the room, you know, like – it's smooth as silk yet very loud and projects and all that it's like he's an actual real broadcaster oh he is that's right <laughs> um and it, it's pretty damn cool that he's moderating these drafts for us i mean that that's that's a good relationship greg and tom have built up over the years he knows how to pronounce every name too which is sweet yeah yeah yep love that that's awesome yeah i'm i'm looking forward to getting out to some live events once um i feel like it's safe enough Everyone I, do, I, so. I highly recommend it. I yeah. think 2022 is going to be a huge, huge party slash everybody's going to draft out there in Vegas at the same time. It's going to be, everybody's going to want to get out there. It's going to be a huge showing. I think That's I good. think I'll do it the fall. I, 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 I'm like 95% online yeah. for the spring here though. I, yeah, you know, we, we kept tout wars online this year. I, I I'm, I'm more like 98% online now at this point, I think, but yeah, yeah I'm probably not going to Vegas. That's I have, I have a hotel reservation. I am not planning on using it. If I'm going to cancel yeah. it though. It's, it's a bummer. I didn't think we'd be, I didn't think we'd be here uh, a year later. That stinks. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. 22. I, I know I'm gearing up for 2022. So I'm sure everyone yeah. has that same exact feeling. Um, so, all right. So let's make believe though. You're sitting at the main event table this year in the main event league. You got the first pick in the draft. And so based on some recent mains I was looking at last year and get, like given the landscape of the starting pitching I was telling you guys about, you can expect maybe by pick 30, you can get a pitcher like Dak Allen, Blake Snell, Glass Now, Maeder. So with that being known, you know, if you have the first pick overall, who are you guys taking? Are you going pitching or are you going to go with a bat? I'm going to, I'm listening to the guy that does better in main events first than me. Well, 
I'll give you I'll give you the real answer. The answer is I will not be picking first in the main event, so I'm not going to have to make that decision. Um, <laughs> okay, that's a good one. <laughs> okay, I will. Um, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll be setting my KDS, so I won't have I won't have a first pick. I think there's right. a Jeff and I. Jeff and I talked about it last night. He, he said a, a a top eight. I think it's a top nine because I think Bieber's going to jump in there as pitching has moved up. Um, I'd like to be seven, eight, nine, and uh, let everybody decide for me and take one of those nine studs and then get the better pick on the way back. If right. I go pitcher in the first, I'll get a hitter in the second. If I go hitter, then I'll grab one of those pitchers. Uh, they kind of they're still there in the middle second when you're talking about you know Nola Scherzer, Castillo, Flaherty. One of those guys will be there. I mean, the pitching get pushed up, but I think someone will be there. Um, so my plan is to be uh, depending on how Tom picks my name out of the hat. My plan is to be somewhere in the uh, in the middle of the draft and not worry about the one pick. So I didn't answer your question, um, but I probably go I probably go Degrom at one if I if I had that pick and ended up there. Interesting. And and who would you? Is there a preferred pitcher target in the second round if you went hitter like in the middle? Um, do you have a preference with the Castillo, Woodruff, Flaherty of the world? On February fifteenth, I really don't. If you're making me answer, I I get I take Nola a step ahead of those guys, but then probably okay. Castillo second. I, Flaherty's tough. Like he just, that year was so strange for him last year. And be, and then when he came back off the, when they had the COVID stuff, he like pitched one inning and then he pitched three. It was just really weird how they used him. It was strange. And they waited like seven days before he made a start. It was all strange, but you look at 2019 and it's, it's really nice. Uh, Castillo Flaherty is one that I'd probably dig into if I end up in the, in the middle of the pick and in the middle of the draft and having to decide between them. I'd probably go, I'd probably go Castillo right now if I had to though. Fair enough. Today on February 15th, if I'm in that spot, I'm taking Kershaw ahead of both of them. Uh, there you go. That's a good answer. I mean, stability is there. Uh, I don't think Kershaw, by the way, current ADP is 29. Yeah. Right. But as we all know, main event inf- inflation exists. Right. It's real. It's powerful. Spectacular. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a gallon guy. So if I know that gallon's going to be there for me, I don't know that. But if I do know that, then I take my hitter. Got it. He'll be, he'd be that 30. That'd be a crazy draft. He wasn't there at 30. I, you, know, you hey, never know. You're he, right. You never know. I, you you never know. He, he, he's got a min pick of 29. It's happened. Yeah. It's happened. But and those, uh, those yellow and stickers in the DCs be going out. You're right. uh, uh, in the last three weeks. So for what it's worth, uh, it's close. I don't, I don't have Woodruff there. I don't have Castillo there. I, I have a working theory that central division pitchers all have this artificial right. boost. If you're using last year's numbers. Um, and I think that, I, I, you got to be careful getting not getting too tight into your crazy theories, but yeah, I, I do think the, these guys are getting overdrafted a little bit. Even you, Darvish, even even Bauer, a little bit perhaps. I mean, it's tough because of where they landed that they landed in such great spots that, that you know they, they could repeat. But I mean, they're so out of line. Look at the ratios. Look at the whips on all these guys. Maeda, right. Maeda is crazy to go early third round. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Ne- Really never high. ever were we thinking about taking him there and yes 0.75 whip is like third player overall i mean if you and you know that is a discount i get it but i don't think we're discounting enough for those guys um so but you got to get your pitching so i understand i understand the dilemma so i'm with scott that i like the middle of the draft i like you know and then for if you want to go pocket aces i think it's really nice to go in the the like picks nine through 15 yeah yep. i think those I think that you're better positioned to do that. If you want to go hitter pitcher or pitcher hitter, then I think it's easier to go earlier up in the draft. But there there is some pressure that you get the number one pick. You don't get your ACE. I I would be careful not to force it too, though. Right. Where are you guys, where are you guys on Max Scherzer right now? Oh, this is funny. It's just funny. You asked me because at the beginning of the year, when he was a beginning of the offseason, when he was sitting middle second, um, 
I was like, nah. And I was looking at the age and the injury. Uh, I dug a little more into the injury. Kind of like I found a couple articles where I like where I read what he was saying about what he really had as opposed to what everyone kind of thought he had. So it was interesting there. But then as all these other pitches were getting pushed up, Maeda's, the Galland of the world, he was going backwards. And I did a draft where I had the first overall pick. I took Cole and um, I had a DeGrom share. So I wanted to get Cole. I took Cole and Scherzer was there at 30th and I took it. Um, I got my pocket aces that way. And I'm just thinking, all right, well, if he does have that one, you know, magical year still left. Um, and I don't know, maybe with the, if the ball does get dead in a little bit, he's been giving up a little more fly balls recently. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he's still got one good, good one left, but it's, it's odd how all the other pitchers are rising and he's just going the other way. Take him over Flaherty. Uh, cause I know they yep. typ- typically are paired together in ADP. I take him over Woodruff behind Kershaw behind gallon. Uh, so it probably puts me a little lower than the pack on him still. I mean, the funny thing is he was still throwing 90, 94.7 average fastball. Like he didn't lose any velocity. It just, uh, the walks went up, the K's went a little bit down. I just, uh, I'm super tempted that. And every time I'm tempted, I see age 36. I'm like, Oh, here we go. But then, right. you know, um, right. I don't know. He's a really tough call for me. If I'm in the middle of the draft there, I'm going to really have to dig in deep on the him versus Castillo versus Flaherty. That's a, it's an interesting little group in there that you have to, you have to figure out how to pick the right guy. Absolutely. Yeah. And he just, he gave up more, you know, uh, you know, more contact, you know, <laughs> that's the thing that kind of scares me a little bit is, you know, more homers, you know, it's the sort of thing that kind of creeps in. It's just like, Hmm, I know the velocity is there. Maybe the movement's not quite as there. Maybe the control's not quite as there. Uh, I have to dig in on him a little bit more, though. I'll then, be honest. Then, I, then I see an ERA under under three for five consecutive years before that, and you're like, oh, right, maybe it's just right. how do how do I factor in? He's one of those how do you factor in 2020 guys? I think he's a he's a he's a tough valuation. Yeah, and maybe just the huge workload he had in 2019, you know, affected 2020 too. Yeah. I don't know. Um, right now, I'm not there for him. Right. I mean, he got guys to he got he. People were chasing less on him. Um, his own contact still stayed pretty tight. Um, it's interesting. It very it, it, he's such a tough guy. Cause like you said, Scott, you look at the previous seasons and you know, yeah, <laughs> it's, they still stand out to you. Like, hey, you know, how fast is it falling apart? And is he um, with a full slate of games? Does he get it back to those previous years? You know, so. Um, but Jeff, I had a question for you with the with the central pitching theory. Um, so have you made any adjustments for like central bats at all? If you're kind of thinking that um, the pitching was so good that, that, that and that's all they face now, they'll be facing other teams. Do you how do you weigh that? Is there any is there any play on that or it just stays the same for you? You know, that's a really good question. I mean, is it because they were the central bats bad because they faced all these really good aces on breakout seasons or was it, they're just materially worse. I mean, the it's, it's small sample theater, but the playoff performance of all these teams indicate suggests to me that they are just weak bats. Uh, but you know, maybe, you know, there was a report that came out that, that, you know, part of the report was different balls were being used last year. Right. What if the central division got the debtor of the two balls? Maybe wow. that, that might be why there's such a disproportionate uh, level there. I don't know, but you know, and you just look at some of the guys that had terrible seasons last year, like Yelich, Hira, uh, Baez, uh, every Cub basically, yeah, um, every, every Cub, every Pirate, every Red. Um, it's you know, very interesting. It's unusual that they would all collectively slump. So maybe I should adjust them a little bit upward. Now that that's actually a good question. 
Yeah, I, 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 it was, I was constantly asking myself these questions. I'm like, am I just overanalyzing it? You know, how, how are we adjusting it? And I felt like the more things I read from various content providers, I was like, I, I, I don't know if I'm any more certain to, about right. all these things after I've consumed so much information on it. It's, it's pretty fascinating. Um, who knows? We shall see. So in the main event, I um, have a question about FAB. So what, um, Scott, what kind of bankroll do you like to have for that last month where you're in a stretch run? What's the number you feel comfortable having? Here, obviously, throughout 2020, we're talking about regular season. I want uh, – it obviously varies, and if I have to do something early and I have to do something in August and go full, I, I do. But uh, if I had a perfect setup, I'd like about 75 bucks on September 1st. Okay. Allows me to spend – what is that? You know, 20 bucks a week, somewhere in there. Allows me to go – you know, 13 or 17 on a guy if I need to, or 23 on a guy if I need to get a pitcher that's still going through charts. And that last, that last week gives me a chance to go like three and four bucks to get those couple guys that everybody wants and everybody has a dollar. Um, I just want to be able to, if there's two or three guys in September I want, I want to be able to decide if I get them and when I get them. And I feel like if you are you're at 10 bucks in September one, you, you don't get that. You end up getting $10 guys. And those guys just aren't going to help you. Maybe the last week they do, but there's so many good players. You're not going to slide anybody through. I, so I want to be able to bid double digits and, and win some guys that last month. Got it. Makes sense. Jeff, what about you? I'm, I was writing notes about Scott's answer there, to be honest. <laughs> I always suck at managing my uh, fab budget, but I mean, that makes a whole lot of sense. And I, yeah. there have been years where I've blown through it and I've been limited to dollar days in September and it's not as fun. Uh, and you get beat out on, because you know, there, there's usually, a, in September, there's actually lots of fun opportunities to stream. I mean, Chad Cool was, I'll remember fondly that from last year, even against getting a beautiful start against the Cubs because the Cubs couldn't score anything the last week of the season. So you, you do remember those guys. Um, and you got to remember that I was lucky to stream in one league, but I, I got beat out, aced out on another's. Uh, so I, I got to stop getting caught up in the Fabapaloozas. That's, that's my, right. it's one of the weaknesses in my game. Ask Nikki Lopez. <laughs> And Jeff's point is good because there are so many bad offenses the last two weeks. There's guy, everybody's, you know, guys shut it down because they're hurt. Guy, they bring up guy. I mean, there's so many bad offenses. You can really, you can really target offenses, and you can tar you target any pitchers against those offenses. You can really do well those last couple of weeks. Yep. Right. Um, and I noticed too, even a short season last year, I felt like there was some uh, closers available more to the end of the year. I was out of it. I didn't have a chance to place, but I was still trying to, you know, be competitive and make some moves. But I noticed that a lot of guys maybe maybe dumped some closers uh, for, you know, to try to get up and hidden stats. And there were some pretty decent closers available down the stretch run for other teams to scoop up and um, pounce on. Um, but yeah, I, I'm the same way with Fab. This was my first shot at the main event this year. And um, I got completely schooled in Fab. And I, I knew instantly, like in season, I'm like, all right, this is, a, this is where I really need to get better. Um, and played in a league with Rob Silver and Phil Dussault, Mark Rebro, um, Zach Betancourt and Matty Wood. And I totally, totally saw the moves they were making and like, okay, this is um, totally not the guys I'm targeting. So I need to get better at this. What, what do I need to do to get better? So that's one thing I made sure to uh, kind of study this offseason, extract them the, of the moves. I know it was a short season, but still to try to, you know, see how, what I was missing um, in terms of who to pick up or who to identify, uh, lefty matchups, all that type of fun stuff. I really need to step it up this year. Like, I wasn't I, good at it. 
I think that's the biggest difference between the 12 and the 15 is that I think that in the 12, you're always going to find someone there and you don't need the extra money in the 12 because you're going to be able to pick it. There's going to be four guys you want to pick up instead of the one guy you want to pick up. I think that there's always closers available in the 12s too. Like as you get towards August, there's always someone you can get because people are playing, you know, half your, half your league in an online, a 12 team or quits when football season starts, they're out of it. They're done main event like 12 or 13 of those 15 teams are still playing and still picking people up. So I think that, uh, you know, I don't worry about a third closer to 12 teamer because I can always, I can always pick one up at some point during the season. So I think the big, the biggest thing for me on 12 and 15 is how you work fab and how you, how you, how you deal with fab. Cause I think it's a, it's the biggest difference between the two leagues. Uh, by, yeah, by chasing, chasing saves in the main. Anybody doesn't, anybody doesn't play a 15 teamer doesn't realize how hard it is to like all figure out saves later because anybody that sniffs saves goes for 130 bucks in in fab and they end up you know they end up dropping getting dropped the next week because they don't get any saves but it's chasing say you can you can hit on a guy and get lucky but it is with 15 teams it is very very hard because everybody in the league is looking for saves yeah because you got to think about it this way 10 to 15 more closers in waiting are drafted period right. they're not even sure. on the on the waiver yeah. wire Right. Um, yeah, you always so, get like that closer gets hurt, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, we can pick someone up, and you know Jeff and I are talking, I'm like, oh, it's not available in any leagues. It's like, <laughs> yeah, move on to the next thing. So it's just uh, that's a good point, right? Um, so Jeff, uh, you mentioned you did some draft champions. What kind of um, batter hitter splits do you have going on? What, what do you have a number you shoot for, or you just kind of go with the flow of the draft and see how your build is going? More the latter. I mean, yeah. my values, uh, which kind of when I do the projections and I do evaluation of it um, it's roughly set about 6337 in favor of hitters but I know that that doesn't always play out that way sometimes if I've got the I I went pocket aces in one of my two DCs so far and obviously you're going to be skewed a little bit more in terms of pitching that way Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think DCs also there's a you know in a way there's a premium on getting a closer or two early on because you can't fab and so maybe a more, you know, there's an, another reason that my pitching allocation might be a little bit higher. To be honest, I don't have the number in my head though when I draft. Um, maybe that's a, a skill I need to do. Maybe that's something that I, I, you know, maybe I should be a little bit more aware of that. And I do better in 15 teams. <laughs> what about you? You won the DC. Let's let me learn from you. Exactly. Oh well, I I didn't go saves early. I actually speculated really late. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it would. I just wanted to win my league, um, and I felt like that was. I tend to draft this way in my home leagues as well. I'm not a big save, uh, get early saves guy. Um, always right. looking to speculate. So what happened last year in my DC, we drafted March 6th. Um, and I, I drafted Keela, Keona Keela in the 13th round. And I didn't pick another relief pitcher until rounds 25, 26, 27. I took Pagan Presley and Matt Barnes three in a row. I got the next, you know, I wanted the next man up in each pen. Right. I went with that route and Presley, Presley vaulted me to the overall. Uh, I felt like I would have won my league without him um, being so effective, but that was the pick that vaulted me to the top. Barnes Uh, had, Barnes had a bunch of saves late too. That worked out well too. Absolutely. Barnes had eight. I think Presley got me 13 when he was in there. So it it, it was huge. That was um, Presley was and Presley was shaky those uh, those first couple outings too because remember right. he started the year on the IL and then he blew a save in his first outing I think yeah and that 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 could have ended a lot differently if uh, he had oh, a yeah. less patient manager right absolutely absolutely and I found myself doing the same thing in this early um, you know early January drafts I wasn't picking saves early I think the earliest 
closer I picked was Jordan Hicks and I think round 15. Um, I haven't been going that route at all. I've just been pounding it late. Like uh, I end up with, you know, with I think my last 20 picks, it's about 14 or 15 pitchers and at least five or six, you know, speculative saves got. Um, again, just trying to win the league. And I just felt like saves is always a place where I just find it hard to invest so early um, in January, especially with so many free agent guys available. So I was taking my chances with the free agent guys. I have a, I had a lot of Melanson, a lot of hand later on um, in the 20th round, 23rd round earlier in the season. But I also felt like wherever they could have signed could have knocked the guy out I took earlier, you know? So I was just, I played the waiting game. Um, and I know the main event is going to be different. Um, last year in the main event, I definitely, you know, caught that save fever and I went with Chapman early in the draft and not something I normally do. And I think in my head, I got a little, not rattled. I had a plan, but it was just, I wasn't comfortable, <laughs> I guess, you know, with that approach. So um, but yeah, so in the, I've been going in the draft champions, like 27 batters. I've been trying to get at least 26. Sometimes I've landed on 27 because I'm doing the pocket aces. Um, I feel like the need to get, you know, uh, 25 pitchers or say 24 or so. Um, but I, and then I just pound bat and then I end up just getting a whole bunch of pitching later on. Um, the Logan Webbs and Johnny Quatos of the world later on to try to get some two starts during the year. So that's was your, uh, was your overall one with like two or three days left or was it a, was it a big sweat down the, was it like one run or one RBI at the end or was it, you had a pretty big, uh, big margin. I had a pretty big margin, uh, but to me, it wasn't, it wasn't right, of big. Course, of Other course. people were telling me you're safe, you're safe and it's fine. And But it wasn't, it wasn't like one say the last day decided flipped you up or top or anything. No, like okay. which, no. Yeah. I know a lot of people's main event. Uh, yeah. yeah. Leagues came down to uh, an Alex Reyes save and uh, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. No, I didn't have that. I had a cushion. Um, and like I said, I didn't think it was big but people like yeah there's a, a thousand points is big and then it was 600 and then it was 300 i was like oh easy easy for safe. someone easy for someone who's not in the mix to say that <laughs> i know yeah <laughs> yeah but um definitely a nail biter so and um it, even when i was i think ryan bloomfield was the first one to tag me on twitter with a congratulations and i was like how do you know it's over ryan and he's like because baseball's been done for two hours rob <laughs> <laughs> I still was in, uh, wasn't having it. It was. Uh, I, I heard you reading that in his in his Matthew McConaughey voice, and it was even better. <laughs> nice. He thought, you know what? That's that's interesting. I never oh, pegged that before. Yeah, it's dead on. It's it's crazy. I love Ryan. His is exactly Mrs. McConaughey voice to a T. Yeah, that's that's very. I will listen for that now. Yeah, <laughs> I did a I did a podcast with my Jeff was gone last year, and he filled in, and he was it was really fun. It was the first time I'd ever like spent time with him. It was it was a blast. He only appears when I'm out of town. There you go. Don't take yeah, that too personally. No, I won't. I won't. But oh, no, I, I need to, you know, I have my rotating guests on Thursdays and I, I like, I was making this like list of people I haven't had yet. It's a huge list. It's a Big ridiculously list. huge list. And I've been doing yeah. this for two years. Like just someone different every week. It seems like how I'm many, like, wow. how many multiple times is Mike the mouth on that list? Uh, there's no multiple times. <laughs> he has been on our show a couple of times on Sirius and XM. Uh, but now there's our obligatory Mike the Mouth mention. We can move on. We, we satisfied his blit, PR Blitz tour just by. I just saw him. I saw his tweet today about going on a podcast tour, so I figured he was uh, he was he was reaching out. 
Yeah, he oh, was yeah, reaching he's out. tagging us. Yeah. <laughs> Let, letting it be known. <laughs> yeah. Mike's great, by the way. He hosts a party in Vegas every year, and he is super oh, yeah. sweet and nice to everybody at the party. So I'm. he knows I'm kidding, and he uh, he throws an, an awesome party in Vegas that I would highly recommend everybody go to when they're out in Vegas for the main event. And uh, 2022, I imagine, will be a huge one there. Yeah, Absolutely. don't ruin his rep though. But yeah, yeah he is a nice guy. He's, he's not gonna be really happy. Nice he's guy. not gonna be happy. I said he's a super nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, he is. I, I I've had some interactions with Mike, and um, uh, it's funny because uh, I feel like I grew up with a bunch of guys like him, you know, in New York and mm-hmm. New Jersey. So I get him. I understand him. <laughs> so and I tell him that all the time. It's like I, I know you're softy underneath all this stuff, but that's cool. <laughs> um. Okay. So online championship, twelve team leagues. Um how what what changes here in terms of um value and um is is there any position or or category like how how do you guys handle catchers it's um you know how do you like to approach catchers in a 12 team league do they get pushed up in value to you or do they remain the same or go down i think it's the opposite i think they go down um i i've had some success waiting on catchers in uh, the 12 just because you know you're instead of picking around catchers 28 through 30, all of a sudden it's, you know, 20 to 24. And I can find some upside there. I feel like if I'm waiting, sometimes I'll go one and one, I'll get one in the top 10 and then I'll wait forever for my second catcher. Uh, But in the 15, I think there's some just absolute dregs that you would get stuck with. So I'm, I'm a little scared of uh, waiting too long in a 15 teamer. What about you, Scott? Yeah, I'm pretty close in a 12 or I want, uh, I want one kind of solid catcher and that's not, real mood to a top guy but i want a top i don't know 10 to 12 guy for sure and then i'll just pick a second one in the last uh, last couple rounds i'm not worried about it if i have to cycle through i'll find one that's playing and i just don't worry about it in the 15 i want a, a top 12 guy one of them maybe in the you know 12th 13th round somewhere there but then my second one i want to get like round 18 to 22 somewhere in there like not the you know the dead last guys where everybody's picking their second catcher where you get guys like jeff said 20 to 30 i want i want like catcher you know, 10 to 14 and then catch your like 17 to 20, something like that in a combo in a 15, in the set in the, in the 12, uh, give me one and then give me whatever for the second one. Yeah. I kind of like that approach a lot. I, i I have some teams with an early JTR, uh, like in the third round, but, and then most of my teams I've been doing exactly what, well, not, not really 18th round and 20th, but, uh, I've been finding myself doing a lot of Contreras, Nola, Contreras, Vasquez, a little closer, maybe, you know, round 10, 10 and 12, 10 and 13. But, um, I like the way that plays out in a 15 team league. I feel, um, kind of comfortable with that instead of waiting so long um last year i did something similar but they didn't work out too well alfaro and hazuki um but i don't know I, I i don't like digging too far deep unless i totally punt but um it just i don't like i don't and i don't like the way it looks at the end when with the two ranked catchers in the 26 to 30 range you know it's tough right it's, it's tough to look at yeah, I'll be honest. I did a, a real mutual build in one of my uh, 12s last year, and it wasn't bad. I didn't mind it. I just think you can get away without it. I, I do kind of like getting Will Smith a lot, I guess, for some reason in the right. 15s. I, I feel like his price is commensurate with uh, what he could return uh, relative to the, to the position. I don't uh, I don't think it will be by March. I think he's going to be a, a, a high I'd agree with that. Yeah. I think you're going to have to take him in the sixth round in the main event if you want him. Wow. Right. We might be, uh, his name might come up later, uh, yeah. by the way. <laughs> you oh, think there you he, go. I like it. You think he gets hindered at all by the, um, by no DH? Or you think that's not affecting him? 
I actually do. We talked about that last night too. I, I yeah. actually do. Cause I think that he would get some um, at bats when you know, Jeff was mentioned, Kershaw likes to pitch to Barnes and all that. And Barnes is going to play. I think Barnes will play. I said 60, 40, Jeff's at 65, 35. I think it's somewhere in there, but I think that uh, I think he gets hard. I think, I think Smith would have gotten some games at DH. I do. I do think it uh, impairs him a little bit. Yeah. Just look at the world series. I mean, there are a t- couple times where Smith was batting, you know, clean up as the DH because yeah, they wanted Barnes right. catching. I think, in fact, I think Barnes started four of the six world series games. Uh, you know, Smith was in there all the yep. time, but it's just, they, they like Barnes to Barnes's defense and yeah. they, they I, prioritize that in this game. I think it matters for JT too. I think that every time he would have sat, he would have DH'd. And I think now he's, he sits games because he can't catch every day. Yeah. That's are you true. guys convinced? Is this, is the, are you, have you completely given up the ghost on the DH this year? Yes, I have. Yeah, completely. Um, I mean, it's baseball. Anything can happen, but I think uh, I think every single team is walking in right now thinking there's no DH, and that maybe you get a late change. But I've noticed with baseball, it's tough to get anything done quickly, and uh, I'd be surprised if they haven't. My Mets are signing hours away guys from making that change. No, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rob. No, I say my Mets are signing guys like they're thinking it might be a DH. Yeah, there's <laughs> a couple really. teams. Signed Pilar today. Yeah, there's a couple teams like that. Maybe I mean, obviously they know way more than I do, but. <laughs> every, Everything I read is like teams are they are planning without it. I think that I read a story about the Giants today. They're planning, they're fully planning without it. And um, I don't, is that something really changing with the two sides? And they're so unfriendly at the moment. I don't see that happening. I think we're going no DH. Yeah. I will right. say this what the Mets are doing is what the Dodgers and Padres have done too. This is a good team build, though. Right. Yeah, we're, we're concerned from a fancy angle, but in terms of having a super strong bench, guys get hurt, guys slump guys you know need a day off here and there and they slot in someone way better than other teams like reds a's like look at their respective benches i just added a projection for seth brown today that kind of hurt uh you know and what you mean you mean starting dh seth brown yeah it's for now uh but yes that's that's my point i I was like i didn't even consider him as an option but you look at who's there and like yuck yeah, I think he's, I think right now, unless they do something weird and I don't know if they will, I'd, I'd like them to start Encarnacion as would be my choice, but I think Seth Brown's the left side of left-hand platoon on a DH, which is, ugh. yeah, well, I, I've got Kyle Farmer as my team's starting shortstop. So uh, I, I, I can one up you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Encarnacion, that's an interesting name just throughout this, Scott. Uh... Uh, I think, I think they should sign him tomorrow to come DH. It's got to be cheap. Uh, his twenty his twenty nineteen was uh, you know actually pretty decent. Um, I would take that shot right now. Plus, he's a former A, so there's that. What, yeah, right. for like a week, right? Yeah, he was claimed off of waivers, and then they tried to slip him through. Uh, DFA'd him, and the Toronto claimed him right back. That worked uh, well. Another another fantastic A's move. A's A's in Toronto make a lot of good moves together. It's fantastic. I, I really, well, he was really a good former Red first, so you know That's we true. got rid of him before you did. Yeah, but we traded Josh Donaldson for literally zero, so there is that also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, we can go on all night about <laughs> yeah, our, our, our hella bad trades. I mean, <laughs> compare what the Yankees got for Chapman versus what the Reds got for Chapman, for instance, is just one one little highlight. That's also I, a little game I play in my head. It's fine. Yeah, a, no doubt. That's a good point. I that, when you put it like that, yeah, that really um <laughs> that really sums it they up. They essentially got free Glaber Torres because they just signed Chapman yeah. back afterwards anyway. It's crazy. That's all right. The Reds have a great shortstop. They don't need Glaber Torres anyhow, so it's all good. <laughs> Oh man. So, um, oh, so, so we spoke about the diamond challenge. Um, I know Scott, you said you had some, you've been playing in this type of format since 1995. So yep. can you give me a little breakdown um, of the format and, you know, maybe how you would suggest for like a newbie to, you know, try to attack a league like this? 
Yeah, I could spend an hour on that. And I won't do that to bore either of you guys. But well, yeah, well, we'll do a separate show then one day. It's, yeah, just on the it's a, okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's essentially a, a salary cap challenge. So it's there like, like a DFS lineup. You have to have your lineup in, in the salary cap each day. You have to have a lineup that fits under the salary cap each week. So it's a weekly okay. thing. Although this year you can make Friday hit removes because it's on the NFBC set. You still have to stand under the salary cap. You have uh, 28 offensive players, 12 pitchers. Yeah, no, 10 pitchers, 28 and 12. Or, yeah, there's some, no, it's, it's not my, I, now I'm messing it up. But you have a, uh, you have 28 total players. So you have okay. uh, 10 pitchers, six, uh, six starters, three relievers in a swing spot. And that kind of depends. I usually want a, a reliever in there unless you have like seven two-star pitchers. But two-star pitchers are huge because it's all a weekly setup. Um, but it's a really fun game because everybody's working with the same salary cap. I mean, the salary cap doesn't change during the year like it does in DFS. Whatever that salary cap is on February 19th, that's what that guy's salary is for the rest of the year. So if some rookie is $600,000 and he breaks out as huge Albert pool so in his year, his price never changes. So it's, uh, it's fun. Cause everybody's playing with the exact same, exact same challenge. You only get a certain amount of moves. I think it's 14 buys now. So you can only add 14 guys during the year. You have to drop somebody when you do it. Um, so it's a fun, it's a fun thing. Everybody's on, it's a very level playing field. It's a, it had like 20,000 people playing when I first started playing in 95. And now that, you know, then wow. ESPN and CBS and Yahoo came up with big, their big games. Everybody kind of moved towards there. Um, it was kind of the biggest game for a while. It was the, uh, uh, Jeff mentioned John Hunt and the Sports Weekly had like a separate uh, page on it every week and all that. But it's a it's a really fun setup. There's a lot of really good players. It's just fun because everybody starts from the same. You know, everybody. If you want Mike Trout, you can pay for Mike Trout. So it's one of those things you don't have to get the right draft spot. Um, pitching is really, really, really important. You only have six or seven starters. Um, you do not want someone that's not really, really good because you can pick any starters you want. So you want to pay for those starters and you want to use them on the two start weeks. You want all the studs in there. And then uh, during the one start weeks, maybe you slide in to save some money. But it's a, it's a fun setup. Interesting. So um, is it like a situation where where you have to determine if you're going to like spread spread your team out with like the money distribution or is yeah. it? Yeah, you, you do. Like, there's only, there's yeah. only so many stars you can be able to get because, you know, right. Trout and Trout and uh, Acuna and uh, Yelich are all expensive. But uh, you want a couple of guys that what you want to do, though, is like you, you got to think about Colorado, something like that. Because what you could do is you have so many good bench players. At NBC, you got bad bench players. You got to you, you want to sit your Colorado guys. You're like, oh, I got to put in Kevin Pillar. Whereas if you're in this thing, your Colorado goes to the bench, your Colorado goes on the road. You know, you take Charlie Blackman out. You put, you know, whoever you put a really good player in. So it's it's a it's you really want to you want some Colorado guys to you to maximize those home weeks, et cetera. Especially with the hitting now, you know, you can move Matt Friday. So you want to use all those. It, it's called the Rocky Shuffle over there. There's like a a message board that we used to talk about forever on there. So yeah, Rockies uh, used to be Rangers were huge, but now Yankees uh, guys in good home parks. You really want to maximize uh, maximize home splits because you can get guys out. If you take them out, you're putting in another another really good player. Interesting. It's a uh... It sounds very interesting. I, I, I it's, like it's very the, fun. Yeah, it's very fun. Yeah. And as, as we get closer to the year, if you have questions, shoot me a message. I can, I can usually answer everything for you. And obviously, you know, your players, you like your players, you like, but like strategy wise, I can usually tell you if you're off on something. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Jeff, have you played this type of format? No, I haven't actually. Yeah. Uh, I, I've read about, I remember reading, seeing like the, you know, seeing the game advertising like USA Today or whatever, or various magazines. And I was like, Oh, that sounds like fun. I'd really do good at this. And Never did it. Yeah, uh, one I, of the, I, the the winner used to win a bunch of money and also got invite to either labor or tout wars. I forget what it was, but they got to play in one of the leagues. Was one of the things for winning too. Yeah, I think it was labor. Yeah, uh, that. And then you know, I'd read I'd read Gene McCaffrey, and I'm like, oh, I really want to play this. Yeah. And I, yet I still didn't play it. I just I never did. I don't know why. Uh, probably because I'm in eight bazillion leagues already. <laughs> yeah. that, that there is that. Me. There is yeah. that. 
Another new format is the solo shot, um, which is almost like a main event draft champions hybrid in terms of roster size, and it's fab once a month. Um, have you guys thought about doing that that league at all? I yeah, thought about it. Uh, I don't think I will. Just I don't love fab once a month. I like managing my teams, and I don't want to. I don't know if I want to add any teams. I uh, I refuse to share teams, as everybody kind of knows that uh, I hate I hate partnering on anything. I did partner with Jeff on something last year. It was fun, but. Um, I just don't know if I'm going to add any teams is kind of what it comes down right. to more than anything. Similar. Um, I, there are times when I'm jealous of people that find good partners and Scott obviously did not have a good time with uh, a good experience <laughs> sharing the team with me. And so we, we, that, that got, it's like, Oh, don't even ask, dude. I don't even want to be with you. I think it's no. Uh, it's fair, but you know, fair it's points. nice in terms of managing the fab sometimes, but then, you, you know, you have your guys that you want and you, you get, you also have like, a way of doing it and i get it but uh thought about it we'll see if i i always say i need to pare down a couple of leagues before i add um and i haven't got to i've pared down one league so far well three really if you count the triple crown leagues that we're in because i'm not going to do that this year but uh uh that was just an add-on to a covid add-on anyhow but uh we'll see I, i i don't anticipate doing it yet right now but i could be talked into it Interesting. Yeah, the 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 sharing a team thing. Um, I'm going into my first experience with that. Matt Matthew Davis from FTN. He um, got a lead together, a satellite lead together, um, where you had to have a partner. Um, and I'm pairing up with Jenny Butler. And so um, we got our draft is on Sunday. So we've been, you know. Um, trading text and uh, phone calls trying to nail down our strategy and stuff like that. And it's, uh, it's, it's work and, you know, where I, maybe it'll help with fab and, but right now I feel like I'm, it's a lot more extra work. It's extra line of communication. Um, right. I reached out to Jeff to, to pair up in that league and I never got a text back. So I assume that was <laughs> who dis new phone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jenny's a good player. You you guys will have fun. That's, that I like, like, I like Jenny league. a lot. She was in my main event league two years ago and I like her a lot. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, to see what we could do. There's a lot of uh, great players in that league, so um, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. So, um, one last question with NFBC formats: high stakes leagues with no overall prizes. Um, with no, yeah, no overall. So you just gotta beat the beat the league. I want to know if you've played in these type of leagues and if you've gone like a crazy strategy against the grain, or what's the crazy strategy maybe you've ever seen done in a league like that. I haven't played too many of those, no. Um, but I, I, I've done a, I've done a couple, uh, but not too many of like the the diamonds or, or the, all all the the high stake higher stake ones higher that the NFPC yeah. offers. I, I but yeah, I, I I did a broadcast of one of them. It's interesting to see like completely through ADP aside, it was completely right. different. Interesting. Yeah, I played I played a bunch of satellites early on. That's actually how I won my first main event entry. I won a satellite league to get in. So because uh, main event was it seemed crazy just paying that much money in the league. And you know, now I play all the time. But um yeah, I, I, for me, it's really I'm I'm willing to be more flexible in draft. I really I won't really go in with this with a crazy strategy, but if I get to the point where I'm like closes are insane in this league, then I'll adjust. So I'll kind of I'll be more willing to kind of shift during the draft and not not fall victim to that run. I'll just kind of figure it out a different way. So it, for me, it's kind of in draft how the league's going if I but I don't plan to go in with a crazy strategy. Got it. Cool. Yeah, I know. I, I've heard people talk about how um, some guys walk in there with, you know, just completely against the grain type of strategy. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, 
I I don't know if I can really gather myself to try something so extreme. I guess, like you said, Scott, maybe in draft, if you feel like you can, you know, pivot to something that might benefit you, but um, to go in with something so, you know, against yeah, the grain. And if you get there where you're like, you know, five rounds in, you're like, crap, I don't have any steals. Then maybe I'm just willing to like forego them for the rest of the way where I would never do that in a, in a with a, something with an overall contest. Right. Got it. Cool. All right. So I'm going to give you guys three quick, would you rather at ABP, um, you don't have to get into a deep breakdown. Just off the top of your head, tell me who who you think you'd rather be taken. Um, so the first spot we're gonna go with at ADP thirty four is Aloy Aloy Jimenez or Xander Bogarts. Jeff, who goes first here? Okay, Jeff, yeah, what do you got? Uh, Bogarts. Um, I think it's uh, it's probably a higher floor, lower ceiling, but. I, I like the batting average aspect of Bogarts. I think he runs at least a little bit. I don't think Aloy runs much at all. Uh, I'm just a little worried about Aloy and his propensity to get hurt too. He's just, and he's such a bad defender. And I, I, I think that might weigh on him a little bit, especially cause I don't think they'll have much available at DH for him either. Got it. Uh, definitely Bogarts for me in a vacuum. If I have a spot where, you know, maybe I didn't get any power, my first two picks, maybe I would shift to Eloy, but uh, yeah, Overall, I'm, I'm going Xander uh, just for kind of the overall production. I just, I, I love his, I love his hit tool. I just love everything about the guy. He's just been so good the last three years. So solid. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So two for Xander right there. All right. So pick 116, Dylan Moore or Mike Moustakis? I'll go first because it's you- Moustakis and it's like not even having to think about it. <laughs> I'm the same way. And that's not a, that's not an anti Dylan Moore. That's more of a, I really like, uh, I really like Moustakis' hard contact profile. And I think last year was a, a little fluky with the batting average. I think he's going to be, uh, I think he's going to be really good again. Yeah. We spent some time talking Dylan Moore. Was it yesterday or I think, I think it was the week before week before. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm in lockstep with Scott on this one here. I don't even love Moustakis. I'm just really worried about more too. I mean, I, I think if you need stolen bases, I get the reason why he gets pushed up, but I, I get a DeShield sort of vibe from him uh, I, right. I, with more, a little bit more power, but, the risk of losing a job. He came out of nowhere. He could go to nowhere just as quickly. No, I remember you. I remember Scott, you were mentioning that on, on the podcast, like where, where you said, like um, where you have to take him at, at a point where you need steals. And then you, now maybe you're taking a guy that you don't even want, you know, to, to accommodate that need for steals. So that's just a, a position. You know, I think you just try to avoid altogether. I'll go, I'll go 30, a I'll go, planning, I would say I'll go 35 bombs on the too. So it's uh, I, I, I like him a lot. Cool. All right, one last one. Pick 160, Austin Noller or Sean Murphy? Jeff, you go first because everybody knows my answer. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say this is kind of <laughs> unfair. Uh, it's it's Murphy for me, though, too. Uh, it's really rare to see. I mean, catchers break out later. I get that. Nola's kind of came out of the blue, though. Uh, I mean, there was some indication a little bit with his minor league stats, but I don't trust him to maintain it, especially because some of the stat cast info isn't even that great. Uh, give me Murphy. Uh, Murphy is a huge target for me. I'm not one that usually targets a lot of A's hitters. Uh, 48.1% hard hit, 12.7% barrel. Uh, Murphy's going to be hitting uh, fifth before uh, too long in this in this lineup. Nice. Love it. Yeah, he's um, got a pretty high ranking in uh, Ron Chandler's bat system this year too. So definitely a guy that uh, caught my interest um, at, that, at that pick right there. Um, all right, cool. All right, so now we're going to do a fun little draft. We're going to do a four-round draft. 
um, okay. with players only in the top 100 ADP or top whatever um, you want to stretch it to. But the goal is to roster the least amount of return dollar value at the end of the year. So we could use the Rotowire um, calculator, dollar calculator for uh, a 15 team league. Heading. And so, yeah, so we're, we're targeting to pick players that we think is, uh, will return the least amount of value in that top, top hundred range. So, um, Scott, you're going to get the first pick question though, before he does that, yeah. uh, what value, like what split are we setting it at? Cause that's one thing with the earned auction value calculator is that you can set it at the split that you want. You, you pick the split. 65, 35. Sound good. What do you guys, Sounds good. You I like that. Whatever. My players are going to be so bad, it's not going to matter. <laughs> I like the confidence. It's good. I've got and I've got a I've got a hot take one that I'm going to take take last because I think I, I got to you know, I got to figure it out here. But um, I want to take figure out who I want to take first. Um, so I, yeah, I'm not going to cheat. So I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go my first guy. I'm going to go player 99. He's right outside of the ADP. He's 101. But I'm going to go ahead and take. I'm going to take Framber Valdez here. Uh, uh, on I just my list. Think, I just think he's over, I think he's overvalued based on um, whatever the 70 innings from last year. And granted, it was really good. It was a 3570 RI as a 112 whip, but I'm worried about the walks. He had a, a 13.4% walk rate in 2019, 15.6 in 2018. His walk rate last year was the lowest of any level he had in any, like minors, majors, whatever it is. Like, I just don't, I'm not buying that walk rate. And I think he has to be good there to be good. Um, he's a two pitch guy, which worries me a little bit because he only throws 93. The curve is really good, but. 326 batting everything is the fastball only at 12% whiff rate in his fastball. I just don't think if you're a two pitch guy, like glass now can get guys out with those two pitches. Mm-hmm. I think when you're a two pitch guy and only one of them is really good. I think there's trouble. Um, I I'm fine with him, but not in the top 100 at all. Yeah. I'm going to hot take off your hot take there. <laughs> Give me Jose or at least at the same price as Framber, uh, maybe uh, even like better. It. And like you, you're going to pay a hundred picks later for Arkady. So right. uh, yeah, I, I think they meet somewhere in the middle is my point. And yeah, I, I'm nowhere near where his ADP is either. Good pick. Thank you. All right, Gad, Jeff, you go, uh, you go in the two. This is going to be a pitcher theme, I think, for my draft, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, it's hard to earn Roto dollars when you're only making 10 stars. I, give me Denelson Lamette. Damn it. I was between those two guys. That's really wild, actually. Yeah, I, I'm super, super, super scared of him this year. Yeah, he's got to be at least a wait and see too and even at that point in spring training it's still going to be a lot of hesitancy um surprised his adp is still 95 i kind of right. thought it would be drifting down a little bit it's really not right? it is dropping yeah I, but it's, i thought it'd be higher than that still yeah i think at one point it was probably like 80 or so and you know i just you know prp just scares me i'm just like you know it's surgery delayed not denied and the last report in January is like, yeah, we're going to have to restrict his workload as a starter. Like, I just, no thank you in, yeah. the, in the sixth, seventh round. Like, I just, I can't say it. Absolutely. Go pick there. Um, thank you. All right. I, I only have like five or six and now, now two of them are off. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble here. Uh, Plus Rob's so, going to get two here. Yeah. I know. I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in a world of hurt. I'm going to go actually. Um, my first one is going to be Jordan Alvarez. Um, I'm, I, I love the bat. I just don't love his whole outlook um in general the two you know the double knee problem um i just don't see it working out where he comes out and and plays a boatload of games this year and i think it kind of maybe affects the way he swings the bat as well but um yeah um um, i'm gonna go jordan alvarez and my other guy is gonna be luke voigt 
Um, mm. I think um, I think he's severely being pushed up in drafts, and I think he'll be solid. But I think he might even be put himself into a position where he might not play all the time if he's kind of struggling and he's not the Luke Voigt that he's been in the last year and a half or the rest of his career. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go two big boppers there um, and hoping like they're going to give me no values and steals anyway. And that the suppressed power output this year is going to drag their total value down. I'm interested in the Voigt call uh, because I'm, I'm not scared of him. I think we overreacted a little bit to the threat of Greg bird and the Mike Ford in previous years. And we did. Yeah. Powered through all that. I, 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 I mean, I, I see your logic and I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I don't think he gets, I'm not really worried about him getting benched, but maybe I should be a little bit more concerned. I don't know. Um, yeah. It, it probably serves as a word of caution though, to probably pump the brakes just a little bit on him because mm-hmm. we'll see when the ball's not, when it's less juiced, what happens right. is he one of those guys that gets hurt the most by it. That's a good question. Yeah. All right. So back to you, Jeff. Pick number two. Oh, it's me. That's right. It's not Scott. Um, yeah, snake. Yes, I'm aware of the. Le- <laughs> Come on. Uh, all right. Don't, don't take any of my guys. <laughs> okay. Uh, Who want to trade? <laughs> yeah, seriously. No. Uh, okay. Just give me Steven Strasburg. I'm par- I'm super scared. Uh, another. Give me another injured pitcher. I'm. Su- you know, I, I I enjoyed that experience so much last year having him in the main as my ace. Uh, I, you know, it's not going to be one of those he owes me because even when he was, I, I just think you know carpal tunnel it could be something that with even with the surgery how many guys come back from that very successfully not too many i'm i'm really worried about him very logical pick right there 100 percent. yeah I, I think if you're gonna be really smart about this you take injury risk pitchers because you like you can get zero value so easily so jeff is probably smarter than everybody else in this <laughs> first time ever as ever as time. always as always yeah all right scott you got back to back all right, um, I'm going to go um, with someone that a lot of people like, um, Sal Perez, I think, at uh, mm. pick 77. Um, this is a guy that hit the ball hard last year. Don't get me wrong, but uh, he hit uh, he hit 333 in 156 plate appearances. He uh, he's, His career bat up is 287. He's been never been over 311 in any season he's played 40 games. His bat up last year was 375. It is so off the charts ridiculous. Um, I think you're paying a six-round price for a guy who's going to hit 250 with 25 home runs, and you can get about 10 guys like that 100 picks later. So I just I get the catcher thing. I know it's scarce, but I think he is way overdrafted in, in a five-six turn right now. Good. That um, yeah, he's he's up there. He's <laughs> I know like that. I mean, he's pretty much the consensus catcher too. Right. And I, I think you're right, Scott. I mean, I think I take Will Smith over him. I definitely take Will Smith over him. Okay, you got I, another one here, buddy. I got another one. I'm going to go union of the snake. I have a super hot takey one that I'm going to save for the end, uh, which I think okay. will, uh, will be someone that everybody loves. Uh, but I'm going to go with someone Jeff and I talked about last night is Keston Hira. Um, mm. There's just too much strikeout stuff here. Um, the, the, the Babbitt before 02 was so insane in 2019. I get the, the speed power combo is nice, but I mean, a 34.6 K rate, 30%, 30.7% the year before um swing strike rate was 20.2 percent last year like that's a ton of swing and miss people figured out how to pitch to him uh it picked 70 uh, i'm not going to take the batting average risk and i think there's a playing time risk here too i think with the with the colton long signing him moving over first base i think you just have a lot of guys uh, jeff mentioned that you know first base could get complicated there too i think there's a playing time risk especially with no dh and i want no part about that in the fifth round you don't need another hero i don't <laughs> 
It only it only took an hour and thirty eight minutes for you to make a bad pun. I'm really proud of you today. No, that was, was a good really pun. Good. Oh, the, 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 let's a not pun kid in, ourselves. That was a good one. A pun in general. <laughs> All right. Um, my guy is hovering right around a hundred. Uh, if you go just by the last three weeks, he's ninety three. So give me Jose Altuve. Um, I don't think he runs at all anymore. I think the bad knees, I mean, just something that keeps coming. I know the sprint speed was good, 89%. Exit velocity, 18th percentile. Hard hit percentage, 23rd percentile. X slug, 15th percentile. Barrel rate, 21st percentile. I mean, okay, maybe it was just, oh, 2020, we write it off, but I don't think so. And I'll add on that, second basemen typically don't age well. You know, he, you know, the age 30 is kind of a magic number for second baseman. He's there. Uh, plus he's got extra miles from all the playoff runs too. I know everybody got excited about him smoking the ball a couple times in the playoffs. That Maybe that was the turnaround and him and Carlos Correa are both fine. I'm not paying the price to find out. I'll let somebody else take that chance. Hmm. I like it. Well presented. I like it too. I all my shares of him now i feel terrible about but <laughs> just remember you won a just, dc i did just, not yeah just cut just cut him for tony camp you're fine it, <laughs> totally fine oh man okay so i got two here to end it for me first one is going to be ian anderson um right now he's projected for atc got him for 140 innings um never pitched over 130 in a combined season in his career i think he definitely overperformed last year i know everyone talks up the the hard hit oppression the braves put out um but he he did ground ball rate was a little high than i think his normal career trends have been showing um I just don't feel like he's a top 100 pick and i feel like there's still a chance that he, you know, doesn't perform as as well as everyone's thinking. And it just um, off of a six game sample to top 100. Um, I don't know, too rich on my blood. And I I also think that um, his 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 heavy changer approach is might not play up in a full season and especially in a good position. Um, so, yeah, I'm going Ian Anderson, and my second guy is going to be another Yankee, and that's Aaron Judge, and that's strictly for him not being able to play the whole season as well. So, um, talent's there, but I think he's just a, a Yankee. He's got too many DHs over there that are lumbering around the field, and I think it's going to hurt them in the in the long run. So, I'm going Aaron Judge and Ian Anderson. Interesting. Uh, Ian Anderson, I want to believe, and the stack cast metrics are great. I know. Um, with him, but you did present a, a th- thought that I hadn't really seen it framed like that in terms of never having the inning accumulation. And that does matter. It matters right. a lot. You know, if the Braves are going to go skip them every once in a while, go shorter outings with him, they have a super deep bullpen so they could pull that off. Yeah. I can see that. I want to believe in him. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's just a want to believe. And that's, that's always dangerous, but <laughs> it is. You're right. Um, if, if you were to, uh, if you were to bet year over year against sexy second year starters, you'd be very, very rich. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. Yep. No, and no qualms with the judge selection. I mean, we can't fade uh, Stanton anymore because he's outside the top 100. Yep. So yep. <laughs> now it's time to fade Judge. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So back to Jeff for your last pick. You have Lamette, Strasburg, and Altuve. I've got a pretty big list still available. I got a lot of starting pitchers, but out of principle, I, I want to fade a reliever. I mean, so uh, I'll, I'll, if we can do a lightning round after the fact of just like 
uh, you know, pitchers that players still left on our list. I need to get into Scott's kitchen on one guy, but give me, uh, give me Rizal Iglesias. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, he, he had a fine season last year, solved a lot of his problems. Um, didn't give up homers. Was that a, is that his constant or was that just a really good year? Right. And I just think relief pitchers, you talked about how you fade him in your contest. I, you, you're the type of guy that doesn't draft a closer in the top 100 picks. Well, I, I wanted to get a guy in the top 100. That's a closer. I could have gone Diaz. I could have gone, you know, a handful of closers, but in principle, I wanted to take a closer this one because I, I, I think if you look at like last year's earned auction values, there's like two relievers that were in the top 100. Right. And you're relying on getting all the saves, staying healthy, you know, just, you know, you're talking about small samples of performance. There's going to be a lot more variance too. Mm -hmm. Just based on how you built it. I want to bet on your team. I think (laughs) you you played it it smart with the earned auction stuff. It's smart. I mean, the relievers and stars that get hurt. I mean, that's the path to doing that, but right. Yeah. This is team construction. I learned so from you guys. The, the smart way to do this was get guys uh, near the top of the top 100. I, I get that. I'm going to go a little hot, takey, and buzzy. I'm going to take someone in the top 40. Nice. Um, so it's someone that I want no part of at the draft price. I will not have on any teams, and that's Luis Robert. Ooh. Uh, Luis Robert was really good across three major league levels in 2019. I fully get that. Um, this guy hit 233 last year. He had 227 plate appearances, finished the year really poorly, did have 11 home runs and nine steals. That probably hurts me, hurts me in an earned auction. I fully get that. But Hard hit rate was good, but it wasn't massive. It was under 40%. Barrel rate was really good. So he does hit the ball hard when he hits it. But K rate was 32%. I talked about Keston Hero's swing strike rate. The only one who had a higher swing strike in all of baseball was Luis Robert at 22.1%. His whiff rate on fastballs was 36%. Whiff rate on breaking balls was 46%. Whiff rate on off-speed pitches was 56%. It is an absurd amount of swings and misses. I think his, la- his late season swoon was for real. I think teams figured out that there's no reason to throw this, throw him the ball anywhere near you can hit it. I think you can just strike him out. He will whiff. He could hit the year hit starting hitting seventh. Jeff and I talked about last night, if Moncada hits sixth and Eaton hit second, that puts Robert at seventh. And I think that you don't want a guy hitting seventh. You took in the third round of your draft. He has a huge upside. There's no doubt about that. But he hit 214 on fastballs. Fastballs beat him last year. I think teams will know that. Exit Vila was only 34th percentile. He's fast. He has pop. I just think he can be pitched to right now. And I think we're looking at a couple of years before he really earns that value. I think pick 37 is insanely high for him. Wow. That's a great, great really good case you built up. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, so my pick the, of him at 41 in the Arizona Fall League speakers, DC was probably <laughs> four, four spots after endorse. ADP. That's, that's a value pick right there. Yeah. <laughs> but the lineup talk is interesting. I, 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 I like one of my most um, concentrated teams where I'm trying to, to figure out what they're going to do with the lineup and it can go tons of ways. Like you said, Kata come back at the top. He could slip to the bottom. Robert could go to the top. He could go to the bottom. And I think it's, yeah, it swings the value um, large. And I don't think it's completely crazy that he starts slow and ends up uh, not on the major league team for a month. Wow. Even with it's the contract that they gave him. Yeah. Yeah. That the contract part is makes it tough, but I just, I, maybe he maybe he sits on the bench for and starts twice a week. I just think that with Larusa, I think if he slumps for those first six weeks, I think it's very possible. I think teams know how to pitch him right now. I just I think there's there's a ton of upside here, but I think there's way too much risk for me. And I'm someone who in the third round, I don't want a guy that has this many holes in his his overall profile. And I think he could, if he hits everything perfect, he could be a t- he could be a first round pick. There's no doubt. There's just right. too many holes for me to take a risk on a third round pick. Yep. Yeah. Makes and sense. the batting order thing is that that's really resonates with me too. I yeah. mean, that kills the counting stats a lot. Runs scored, especially. So who's your, who's in your lightning round of post? All uh, right. Guys that were still on my list. 
I'm gonna get in Scott's kitchen here a little bit and say, Jesus Lazardo. Scott's kitchen agrees with you. Yeah, I figured you might actually. I mean, it's yeah. just the way they use them. I, I just, I don't think he gets the prime guy to knock the innings. Do you guys have any concern with Trent Grisham this year? What's your thoughts on Trent Grisham? I'm, I'm, a, I'm down for him. Yeah. Batting leadoff in that lineup. You think he bats leadoff all the time? Most of the time. Yeah. Just enough, right? Yeah. Are you worried about them, though, like rotating guy? Do you think he's just going to be a constant, even though with the depth they have? Uh, I mean, it's possible, but he he's really the – can any of the other guys they have play center field? That's, that's a good point. I don't think Will Myers can anymore. I don't think Fam can stay healthy for more than three yeah. weeks at a time. He was a uh, really, really did, good center fielder, too. Oh, did you guys yeah. see that scar, by the way? Uh, Tan- I didn't Tom see Tan- it. I heard about it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's pretty it's, – it goes from his left hip to his right hip all across his lower back. It's, it's like hip. your elbow. It's pretty bad. I I think Jeff's point on Grisham is really good about the defense. I think that's what keeps him in the lineup. I just Mm -hmm. like how hard, I like how hard he hits the ball. I think it's, I think he's a a guy that's, uh, that's that's coming too. I think there's, I think we're seeing, we're seeing kind of a a step up, step up, step up. And you look at like his, who knows on defensive stats sometimes, but you look at his defensive war last year was huge in center field for 60 games. Um, I just think he's such a, such a different maker in center field compared to everybody else they have. I think Jeff's point on that is perfect. Nice. Nice. Let me throw a couple other names at you. Jose Barrios, uh, every year it seems like he, you know, uh, we think this is going to be year he has that big breakout, and yet right. I look up and his ERA is at four. Um, right. I, I, I just don't think he's a top one hundred pitcher. In a uh, in a land of of decreasing innings pitched, though, is he? I think that's the only thing that maybe keeps his value right, floating high. Except the twins just... don't. Except the twins don't let him go, and you know, there's so right. many times. I've seen him do the four and two thirds, not, not finish a game with a big lead sort of outing. And, you know, you know, I, you know, I, I think that uh, they're, they're really converts on the no third time through the order team. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that hurts them some a little bit too. Uh, I I think there's a pretty reasonable chance that Zach Plesak comes down to earth a little bit. Uh, I think there's a reasonable chance that Max Freed comes back to earth a little bit. He was on my list. Yeah. Freed was probably Dylan Bundy too. Yeah, Bundy's interesting. Um, even though I like Will Smith better than uh, than better than uh, Salvi Perez, I don't think he's a, a catcher's a notoriously poor a top one hundred investment. I think there's a reasonable good chance he finishes outside the hundred, especially now that playing time is a bigger concern. And then final, finally, Kettle Marte. I, I I love him, and it hurts me to say this, but if he doesn't run, then what are we getting from him uh, for that co- for that price? Right. Just, uh, I had uh, I had two other guys. I had I had uh, Max Fried too. Um, I, I'm not taking Kenta Maeda at the price. I just don't think I can get there with, with doing it. I want to ask you guys about a guy though. There's someone that uh, I really liked last year and was good last year. Was healthy. What are you guys on Corbin Burns? I just I worry a lot about innings with him and how what we're going to get with him because I really like the pitcher. I just wonder for fantasy wise. I don't know if we're getting more than 130 innings from him at any point this year. I have a. Uh, Corbin Burns bias. I picked him at 440 in my DC uh, winning team last year, and yeah, that was nice. Oh man, it was it was something. He he was a guy I targeted too to make sure I had in the later rounds him and Teoscar. But um, so I have a little soft spot for Corbin Burns, uh, and I know he he. So this is my thing too with playing the devil's advocate with how high can an innings you know go from one year to another. Um, a part of me looks at it realistically like this guy hasn't done it before but 
um, guys who haven't reached a level before have done it before, right? Guys who pitched 60 have gone to 160 before. So I don't know. It's conflicting to me. Um, I, you know, I think like you mentioned with the Brewers saying they'll add 100 on top of what they pitched last year. He pitched 60. So can he give you one 160 spectacular innings? Um, cause that, cause that if, he get, if he gets to 160, it probably works really well. Right, right. Because that 2019 is still there, you know, they, it still looks at you in the face and you see and, the 8.82 and a 1.84 whip. So um, I know he definitely changes his pitch mix to be a better pitcher. So um, I would hope that he stays at this level. Yeah. So I know. I just look at it and I see, I see 17 home runs and in 49 innings in 2019. And I see three home runs and in 59 innings. And I just don't know where that middle lands. Right. Yeah. So. I just posted a link in the chat. I wrote an article asking, is Corbin Burns getting drafted too soon? I wrote that oh, December 29th. Um, yes, I, I think he's going too soon. And I love me some Corbin Burns. I have him in all my keeper leagues. I'm not trading him away. I, I, I posted the, the the link to that article on Twitter and someone in my score sheet league said, what do you want for Corbin Burns? Like, no, I said I'm not trading him. But, yeah, I, I uh, had Corbin Burns last year on a couple teams because of you. So you were, you were definitely the Corbin Burns guy last year, which I know it's James. And, I got that from James Anderson. I get everything from James Anderson. He's a smarter <laughs> player when I am in a lot of ways. But, um, I mean, they're, they're, everything worked. I mean, he he changed his pitch mix. That was great. Cut back on a slider usage a lot. Uh, and, you know, he introduced that cutter and used it 31% of the time. That's what sp- speaks a lot to the home runs, I think, because his, his fastball was getting destroyed in right. 2019. He also right. faced the Dodgers twice early on, and I think it screwed with him a little bit. But he also had a 10% walk rate. He also has just never had the innings. I mean, I, I and he, you know, going on my central division theory, he checks all those boxes. And so I like him and there might even be an improvement. You know, it might be steady improvement. But you might, it, he might be a better pitcher this year with worse numbers. If you get what I'm saying, it's just, right. he might mature as a pitcher. It's just that everything worked out so perfectly, whether it's the homers, whether it's the walks, whether it's, you know, the, the, the opponent. I just think he's going overdrafted. I, I want him as my SP3, but you have to pay SP2 prices for him. Yeah, and it's interesting because his first pitch strike went down, his swinging strike went down. Um, and, you know, so it's 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 interesting. His, his end zone got a little better. But, you know, what's, what's crazy about 2019, he has 17 barrels for 17 homers. And I think the percentage that they show is like 56% of – home run to barrels and you know so that's 17 for 17 in in 2019 i think that was due to come down a little bit he had some crazy um negative luck that way uh the last year was nine barrels to two homers so maybe even overperformed that way that past year but yeah he's definitely um he's one of the more talked about guys i think um going with zach plesak as well it's been a I feel like they've been the two most scrutinized, um, you know, short sample players from last year. Right. Yeah. And, you year. know, Smod is going to come after me and, and Dave's <laughs> going to come after me for just mentioning Plesak and anything, but let least gl- uh, glowing way. But I get it. I mean, I mean, Plesak is a harder one for me to actually, because I think he did pick up a new skill. I just, I mean, man, I, I think he's probably a top hundred pitcher, but I don't think he's a third or fourth round pitcher. How about Right. That? Right, right. I think, yeah, I think that's a very fair statement. Right. I feel similarly about Burns. I mean, he's probably a top 100 player, but you're not paying 100, you're paying 50. Right, right. There were some things with Plesak that, you know, I I, I just don't know how to quantify. I think he had like uh, nine nine cold strikes on um, 
on nine called strikeouts that were balls outside of a zone. So I don't know really? if that, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's going really granular. I'm yeah. And, and yeah. And you know what? That's, that was an Alex fast. Um, I'll pop that out to Alex fast. He tweeted that out and I said, Oh, that's interesting. And um, another thing is the uh, something that Toby baffled crazy pointed out about Bauer was his success in three, two counts. And again, I didn't know how, you know, at first how granular he got to that level and ended up telling me he was just trying to see why Bauer's strikeout percentage got so much better. And um, Bauer, Plesak, and Bieber overperformed in three, two counts tremendously where their K minus BB was in like 43, 44 percentile. And since 2000, the best, the best performers in that have been about uh, 9%, like Maddox and Sale and Kluber have been about 9%. So, yeah. So, you know, uh, just trying to be able to quantify that and like, how much does this matter? Is he getting that call strike because he's such a good, you know, you know, uh, a command guy, you know, but I mean, if you bring it up on StatCast and you see where the balls actually were, it's, you know, and I know say, oh, that's only nine strikeouts, but then you take away the 50, you bring it to 40, and now he's at nine, per, you know, K per nine. It's not the 10, and he's totally different pitcher that way. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I it just, makes you wonder, and like, where does that rank among others, you know, and you know, on a percentage of pitches, on a percentage, right. you know, or just total? I mean, yeah, that that's an area that I don't really know anything about. No, exactly. I'm asking myself. That's why I sit here and I ask myself when I'm looking at it, I'm like, how, how much does this mean? You know, um, right. and I, right. I know there's guys out there like Phil, Phil the show who will try to quantify it. Um, I can't. Um, <laughs> so well, that's why like Alex Chamberlain, when he, you know, he writes, he's got an article that's in the magazine. He talks about why he developed these boards on individual pitches. Right. Cause he didn't know like, okay, well, you know, how much, how often do you get a swing and miss on your slider? How much do you get a swing and miss on a curveball? And, you know, and that, that, I think that's, you know, the next level analysis that, I mean, it's, it's all this is becoming available to us. I mean, the treasure trove of information, we're just, it, it overruns us. You can't pick up everything I feel like, but so many smart people in our community are doing that now that we can just benefit from them doing the work a little bit right. too, and just add that to our toolboxes. Right. Right. And try to figure out what you think might work in a, and your toolbox. The one thing I've been taking a lot from Alex's leaderboard is the whiffs per swing for relief pitchers. They've just been trying to break it down on a granular level, like a really mm-hmm. microscopic level of what they can do in their short impact of innings. And I feel like that's one of the stats where I've really tend to uh, gravitate to, um, to get that, especially because my strategy with closes. So I'm always trying to find the, the Pierce Johnsons and Phil Matons of the world who might be, you know, get me three or four saves <laughs> in the 40th round of a draft champion. Right. But that's the life we live. <laughs> so um, talk about your, um, the uh, draft kit, the uh, draft book. Um, I know it's available in print, but not in the newsstands, right? Is that correct? That's correct. If you want to get our magazine this year, I got to go to rotowire.com slash magazine. And okay. uh, obviously we're updating it, uh, you know, updating content on the site. Uh, if you want to check out Rotowire itself and, you know, all our updated projections, because a lot of things have changed even since in the, last, in the two weeks since we went to print to post, uh, go to rotowire.com slash podcast, get yourself a free 10 day trial, get access to everything on Rotowire, almost everything, you know, the live draft software, you have to be a subscriber. Uh, but obviously we, we want you to subscribe too, but right. uh, hopefully the tape, the trial gets you started on that path. You guys have and an FBC article in the magazine too. Apparently, yeah, I hear somebody that's good at the main <laughs> event. Not me wrote that article. That's sweet. So tomorrow morning, I will give away um, 
a magazine. I'll put it out on Twitter. I'll put out some kind of contest. Oh, nice. um, yeah, we'll do that for you guys, 100%. And I love your website. There's, there's so many good things. I mean, especially for um, all sports. You know, I, I play basketball, and it's it's the tools available to import your team and see the free agents and see the weeks ahead and have have the player pool available already on the website is huge. Um, I feel like such a big benefit. Right now, I'm in a, a first-year player draft for a dynasty league. And just to be able to refresh and see, you know, James Anderson's list right there is huge. Um, such a such a big benefit to my draft. At least it puts a lot less pressure on um, me trying to get my own full 400 rank and, and go from there. I could just pick and, you know, guys who pop out and try to, uh, you know, um, dive in more from there. So um, cool. I really appreciate you guys coming out, man. This is uh, it's great. I had a great Thanks. time. Thanks for having us. It was fun. fun. Yeah. yeah, sorry to keep you guys maybe past your bed. No, actually, no, it's not your bedtime. You guys are on the other side right. of the world. Oh, man, the, the Warriors, Warriors game's not even halftime yet. I'm going to go have some dinner and watch the second half. I was going to say, you kept us uh, to a dinner time, that's all. But it's all good. <laughs> kills me for, for the NFBC slow drafts. You know how, you know, I have, like, it stopped us at 2 a.m. And I feel like, you know, for you guys, it's 11, right? It's, you yeah. know. Doesn't it start, like, doesn't it, like, start at 5 in the morning, though? at 5 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've gotten some early morning skips before when we get to the one hour phase of a DC, yes. and, you know, and the seven people in front of you all auto and you're like, Oh shit. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool guys. I appreciate that so much. Thank you for coming out. And um, yeah, hope the guys uh, have a bunch of luck this year in your leagues and um, yeah. Keep, all right. keep doing your thing. Thanks, Thanks Rob. Rob. All right, guys. Alrighty, folks, thank you again for tuning in to the Poor Hitter Podcast. That'll conclude this episode. Um, we'll keep this pod train rolling. Some special guests later on this week. I'll now be on a couple of podcasts myself, including the Triple Play Fantasy Podcast and the Fantasy and Frame Podcast this week. And I'll have um, some special men from Baseball HQ on Wednesday. So look out for that. And yeah. Again, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Send a snapshot of your rating and review over to me on Twitter at DeadPoHitter. DM me. I'll send you some swag. Get that Hitter swag flooding Twitter. And, um, yeah, magnets, stickers, baseball cards. Got a whole bunch of goodies for you. All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in. And remember to smarten up and don't be a bag of shit.